Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com. Welcome to Hunting Seasons, a podcast about two friends catching up on notable television shows one season at a time. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Season 3 of Twin Peaks, a.k.a. Twin Peaks The Return. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Dum, dum. Please don't sing the theme. Dum, dum. Hello. How you doing, Damask? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, good. Good, good, good. Surprisingly good. Yeah, I... Spoilers... Yeah, you're much better than I am. Yes. <laughs> I've watched the finale twice now. Oh, what a lucky boy you are. <laughs> I envy you. Are you ready to get into it? No, but let's go. <laughs> okay. Spoiler warning. On this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in season one, two, and three of Twin Peaks and Fire Walk With Me. If you've not yet watched Twin Peaks, pause the podcast, go watch it, and then come back and join us. Otherwise, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead and you have been warned. A quick breakdown. Twin Peaks The Return is a Showtime original... Um, it's hard to quantify exactly what sort of specific genre this would be, um, series, and the 25 years later follow-up to the original Twin Peaks TV show of the early 90s and prequel-sequel film Fire Walk With Me. David Lynch and Mark Frost return as co-writers, and Lynch also directed each and every episode himself, a monumental feat in television these days. The Return stars a cavalcade of returning actors, new players and celebrity cameos, including Kyle MacLachlan, Naomi Watts, David Lynch, Miguel Ferreira... Uh, Robert Forster, Kyle MacLachlan, Laura Dern, and Kyle MacLachlan. Season 3 features 18 episodes, each coming in at around 58 minutes, and took us approximately 17 hours and 20 minutes to watch. Oh, I'd suck trying to watch all of that in one week. Yeah. There, there is no word on Season 4 of Twin Peaks, and I wouldn't expect one, but nobody was expecting a continuation 25 years later, so who the hell knows? Damask. Yeah. Do you have a story synopsis for us? I sure do. You do? Yep. Oh, I'm so impressed. Yep. This is going to be amazing. All go right. Go for it. Go for it. What the fuck, Lynch? What the fuck is happening? God damn it! There you go. That was beautiful. Yeah, I thought you liked that. Thank you. That tops even Game of Thrones, I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I guarantee this was not uh, rehearsed. <laughs> I was not informed that this would be hidden at all. Look, I didn't think of impressed. it until that moment. I was like, <laughs> you know what? Let's just let it out. Let it out, please. Yeah, it was pent up inside you, that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, just a quick refresher on our relationship with Twin Peaks before we get into discussing uh, season three. Uh-huh. Um, we have both watched season one and we only have. season one. You've not seen any no, of season two? No, I haven't two watched or, anything else. Follow with me. We watched season one on episode 13 of 
uh, hunting seasons. Yes. There you go. A little while ago. Um, what did we think of season one? I, we were pretty baffled by it. Yeah. You were more angry about it than I was. I really struggled with it. Mm-hmm. I ended up giving it one out of five stars. Is that right? Yeah. I oh. did not enjoy it whatsoever. Really, really disliked it. Just could not find an entry point. Could not get on board. Mm. Just found the whole thing perplexing, insufferable, yeah. hated all I of think it, nearly. There, I, were, there were some bright moments. Yeah, I more resigned myself that I didn't understand it, that I probably didn't have the capability to understand it, but it was what it was, and I just kind of left it at that. Well, that was a lot of that podcast was like me having an existential <laughs> crisis about, why don't I get it? I don't and, understand it. Yeah, our guest Lauren and myself trying to talk you off the ledge. Basically. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's pretty accurate. I thought I was a fraud, a phony. Um, the, the bright spots being the really weird stuff like the, his uh, Cooper's Dream in episode three mm-hmm. and Dale Cooper in general, I didn't mind. I didn't mind Lucy and a few of those sort of parts yeah. of it. Or The people you could kind of attach yourself to. Those were the things I sort of, they were my bright sparks, but generally just found the whole thing really (laughs) boring and shit. So, we sort of talked about at the time, are we going to watch season two? No, couldn't be bothered, didn't want to do it. What about this new season, season three that's coming out? Uh, Let's see what happens. So, (laughs) 16 or 17 weeks ago or so forth, or however far long long ago it was, uh, the first Four episodes or two or four episodes released mm. in close together. And I was like, okay, my girlfriend's interested in Twin Peaks. Let's watch this together. We'll start watching it. How romantic. Um, and have watched it every week since then. You didn't start straight away. No, I started, I don't know. I started the first episode. I watched the first episode a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. And then I watched, I'm going to say like, 10, no more than that. It was 18 total. Yeah. So I watched about 12 in the last two days. <laughs> so she's now in a straight jacket. Uh, I'm in a really a interesting place. <laughs> I feel uncomfortable in my own skin. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, I binged it. Yeah. I, yeah. Cool. Which is, you know, how we do most of these things. That's we binge, how we, do it. we yeah. binge season one in a week. Mm-hmm. Which was, I think was only eight episodes from memory. It was, yeah. And this was 18 hour long episodes. A little different. A little different, A little yeah. bit different. So, we start these discussions off with a five word summation each. Damask, do you have one? I do. It's who, what, when, where, why. Oh. Yeah. Lots of questions there. Mm. You? Mine's a little Lynchian. <laughs> uh, oh, fuck I'll, off, Wanga. But I'll explain it afterwards if it doesn't quite make sense. Damn fine cup of hat. I rolled my eyes and yeah. <laughs> No, but if it was truly Lynchian, you wouldn't explain that's it. That's true. So. That's true. So I just shouldn't explain just it. Just leave it at that <laughs> and leave everyone unsatisfied. <laughs> um, I was tr- what I was trying to get to was the <laughs> idea of me eating my hat. Ah, after, right. After really taking a dump. On season one. A steaming dump on season one. It yeah. is hard to remember me coming back from the brink so much and really starting to enjoy something. The better, best example I can think of in something we've done recently would be American Gods and going yeah. from hating that first episode mm-hmm. to starting to find something I liked about it by episode four or whatever it was. Yep. Um, the one with Laura Moon. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. I I wish I got to that point. Okay. But well, I didn't. Well, maybe I'll start there. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, ho- I hope you can join in this discussion, Damascus. I really do, because I have a lot to say. <laughs> I have a lot to talk about. Okay. It's all been right. an interesting journey for me. First of all, just the fact that he got me. Somehow. Mm-hmm. I want you, to, I need you to explain that, because I don't like. I'm okay. still on the outside looking in. Yeah, okay. And I feel like my best friend has joined a cult. Yeah, yeah. It like, feels after we weird. had been laughing about said cult for so long, all of a sudden they're like, no, they have a really good message. Like, I've, re- I've finally found peace. <laughs> and I'm is, just staring at the real you deal. like you're a pod person. You should yeah. do what they called in Scientology, e-meters. He's my e-meter. You should yeah. uh, do a reading. Um, somehow the motherfucker got me. And I've, mm. I've resisted Lynch for a decade at least, mm-hmm. of people telling me to watch his stuff, people telling me to being forced to watch Inland Empire or watch A Razorhead because it's like, you know, one of those films that you need to see and stuff like that. And along the all along the way, just sort of going, oh, I don't get this, I don't get this, this isn't for me, this isn't for me. Mm. And I don't know what happened exactly. I think actually think there are two major things, a few major things, and I actually got these lifted, listed down, but... That helped me to get on board Twin Peaks The Return. Okay. One of them was watching Louie and that episode, the two with episodes Lynch. with Lynch in them. Yeah. Because he he showed self-awareness and Louie being able to make fun of Lynch that way and him being involved with it, mm. I really liked him in that. Yeah. I really liked him in Louie. And it gave me a little bit of a, like, uh, I don't know, it gave me some, not faith isn't the right word, but he he got a little bit from me. I was willing to give him a go or a chance at that point. Mm-hmm. I've resisted for so long and just thought rubbish and bullshit. So he just hurt me so many times. So idea of who Lynch was before we watched those Louis episodes yep. was that he was a very serious artist. I don't know. Man. Well, maybe. That was one of the I things. Because I always kind of like got a good sense of humor from what I had seen of his. Which was the thing that everyone told me. Like, mm. Twin Peaks is a comedy. Or, as you know, there was part elements of it that were a comedy. Or there were elements of it that were scary. And I didn't find either of those things in season one of Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't find it funny and I didn't find it scary. I didn't find it very much at all, and except for the brief dream sequence moments and Kyle McLaughlin being charming. Yeah. Like, that was all I really took away from season one. Um, and his other stuff that I'd seen... The same problem you have, this idea that it feels like I've joined a cult. <laughs> People who are watching it have this cultish, like, you mm. know, David Lynch is one of the greats. He's an incredible filmmaker and auteur and stuff like that. And I'd watch them and just go, I just don't fucking, this isn't for me. I don't get it. Yeah. And it would drive me away because I was meant to like it. So seeing him, just seeing him and like, I guess I'd seen photos of him, but I'd never like looked into him or interviews or anything like that. And putting a person behind that, it made a little bit more sense to me. And again, right. because he was able to be a bit self-aware and self-deprecating in the Louis episodes, mm-hmm. he earned a little bit of maybe his trust. He earned a little bit of something, respect from yeah. me. Yeah. Which helped a little bit. Well, I didn't have quite as much vitriol as you did mm. towards Lynch and his work. Because I quite like Mulholland Drive. I think that's a really great film. And I Mulholland enjoy- Drive's all right. And I enjoy watching it. Um, I really so- want to go back and watch it again now. Yeah, so... I knew I could like Lynch, mm-hmm. but the problem I had with this season, I mean, there's a few things I have problems with, mm-hmm. but it's, it's similar to, I think, 
my problems were in when we watched season one, which I didn't realize at the time, was binging it. I can watch two hours of Lynch, Max. Yeah. Having to watch hours and hours of him, it it's it's insufferable to do. It's not unless you're already in the cult, mm-hmm. it's not possible to do it and enjoy it. I truly believe that. I don't think it's possible. It's exhausting. Yeah. And it's like everything goes for so long and yet you look down and the scene's only been going for five minutes. Yeah. But nothing has happened. And you're like, oh, God. So that was number two of the things Mm. that helped me along was getting – I actively made sure I was watching it from the first episode that was released. I started watching when there was only four episodes out so far, basically. And – deliberately made it, well, what it became was, it was something my girlfriend and I were watching together, so it became an appointment television, alongside before and now after this latest season of Game of Thrones has been on, I've been watching this every Monday night, basically, with my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And having two things there, one, getting one hour at a time was helpful. Two, watching it with someone Mm -hmm. who could endure it with me at times, but also we could talk about it, riff off it, like experience it together and share it mm. definitely helped. That would definitely help, yeah. Also, I want, and I talked about this, I went back and listened to a little bit, just sort of when we were talking about would we or wouldn't we watch The Return, I went back and listened to episode 13 of Hunting mm-hmm. Season just to see what we were talking about. And I mentioned that, hey, maybe there'll be a podcast or something I can listen to. And wouldn't you know it, Joanna Robinson and David Chen, who I fucking love as podcasters, mm. have done a podcast series called Peaks TV where every couple of episodes, so it wasn't it was only every two weeks mm-hmm. because they honestly probably didn't have enough to talk about if they did it weekly because as you said, an hour goes by and nothing happens. Yeah. They would do a podcast that was sort of a recap discussion. And Dave was in an interesting position where he hadn't seen Twin Peaks beforehand. Oh, okay. So he sort of he sort of binged through it. He's got this re- weird notion that binging it's the right way to do it. I think he's a madman <laughs> for thinking that. But, but he didn't binge it though. He binged the original stuff. Oh, oh. Okay. Yeah. And he's still actually listening to him talk about it because they haven't released the last podcast yet. But the second to last one, mm. he was still saying he thinks this has been better binged. I think he's crazy. No, he's wrong. He's, he's, un- he's unhinged. <laughs> As someone who's lived through that war, he's wrong. <laughs> um, but it was great because I had you know, Joe Joanna is real uh, fan of the original series. Mm-hmm. She was really looking forward to this. She's very knowledgeable, very passionate. And Dave is a bit of a newbie. And those perspectives were great to mm-hmm. have that discussion, to have Joe, who pays, she's ridiculously good at what she does, meticulous attention to she's detail. She's the best in the business, she in my opinion. Is. I think she's the best she, podcaster like, yeah. when it comes to film and TV. In the world. The way she can, like, not only does she remember every single detail of oh, everything. She works but for then, that, though. She rewatches yeah, things multiple times. And then, but then she has the most beautiful way of articulating her ideas yeah. about shows that she's watching. And she's just gorgeous. And like, she can be both should. passionate and also uh, is willing to... Uh, willing to acknowledge her own biases yeah, totally. or not suggest that she is right about anything, but that's no, no, her opinion. She or clearly says they're just her opinions. Yeah, and she's great like that. So, yeah, check her work out on Vanity Fair. So, she was great. So, as with Game of Thrones, when you're trying to keep track of a million different characters and different storyline threads, having the podcast, their podcast Game of... Uh, cast of... No, Kings. Cast of Kings, thank you. Mm-hmm. Help me to, after an episode, just, oh, yeah, that's who that person was. That's who they're referring to. She was able to do the same thing. She was able to remind me 
10 weeks in, oh, that's referring back to this thing that happened in episode one. That's the discussion they were talking about there, blah, blah, blah. And keep connecting those dots for me. Mm. Fucking helped a lot. I certainly would have appreciated that because there was yeah. so much going on. Yeah. That so I, I would dispersed. just get, yes, yeah, dispersed is the thing. So we'd like three episodes later, another thing would come up and then I'd be like, it would take me like half of the scene before I was like, oh, yeah. oh, that's right. This is what that might be referring to, which happened a million years ago. Um, So I'd like, I just lost everything. Like I, I'd pick something up and then something else would happen and I would just have to drop the other five things that I was holding. Like it was just, I couldn't retain any of it. Yeah. And so it was really hard to enjoy and it was really hard to stay focused. Yeah, absolutely. And that would have, yeah, that's where I was very lucky to have these things going on. Yeah. And the funny thing is, as you watch the season, as it all sort of comes to a head, it really, especially in the middle of it, you just feel like, or, or well, early on to the middle of it, you just like, none of this is connected. None of this makes sense. What's this all got to do with anything? The first seven episodes, you're like, oh God. Yeah. This is going to be nothing forever. Yeah. And then when things do start to converge, A, I think there is a surprising amount of... N- narrative through line. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Yeah. That things actually do make a certain amount of sense or enough sense for you to follow if you can connect those dots. Mm-hmm. But number two, some of the things that you go, oh, they'll never connect, do connect, but they're, only, they're actually just little details that he has ruminated on for a long time. And that's something that I had to get comfortable with and did as I got further into this series and was just being, like I was taking it bit by bit. I was being, like being inoculated to it. Inoculated? Is that the right word? I was like, yeah. I was making myself um, more tolerant of it mm-hmm. as I went along, is that just because a scene is long doesn't necessarily mean it's important to the narrative over- uh, plot overall. He's just making, he wants to make this a moment and he wants this to be a moment that is memorable in its own right before it connects back to the rest of the plot. And that's why I started to appreciate as I went along. These little micro movies, the little micro moments that existed between characters that really are, have a very tangential tangential role to play in the overall mm. narrative, but he just makes it into something that is, is in its own right a story or a moment or an idea. And that's... Yeah. I got to start to appreciate that as I went along. And once you accept, I accepted that, the whole show was so much more... Yeah, I think that's a wonderful way to approach it. Mm. Um, And I could see how then watching, you know, a few beautiful shorts in an hour would be really enriching and lovely to do. It was. I watched about 7,000 short films. Yes, you did. In a row. Yes, you did. (laughs) So, yeah. it's um, I mean, you know what? If season four comes out, I'll watch it week to week and we can do it. Okay, awesome. But I will not binge it. Yeah, no, no. no. I I can't do that to myself. For the record, I know you told me. I tried. Me. I really did. I, I warned you. I couldn't. I just couldn't make myself do it because I just was not looking forward. Find to Find someone to watch it with. Watch it with us. If, I might if have to watch it with you because my girlfriend's definitely not going to watch it. Cool. Because I honestly started to look forward to it more than Game of Thrones. That is fucking sacrilege. But that also says a lot about season seven. Possibly <laughs> it does a little bit. But I was really every every week that Monday night I was like, oh man, that new episode of Game of Thrones is out. Mm-hmm. A, a new episode of Twin Peaks is out. I really look forward to watching it because um, who knows what it's going to be? Who knows what I'm going to get this week? And that was so. This is the other thing. One of the things we talked about on the previous uh, reviewing season one was how it was a product of its time, right? And how mm-hmm. 22 million people, whatever it was, watched the pilot of Twin Peaks when it first came out. It was a phenomenon at the time that didn't last. It sort of it fizzled out. Fizzled. Yeah. Um, has a cult following since, but it lost that viewership quite quickly or relatively quickly. 
so watching it this time, there was a certain amount of excitement built up around it. And there's a couple of things that were happening there. A, one of the reasons I love watching Game of Thrones every week, and we've talked about this before, is love being part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. The conversation happens whether it's through podcasts or whether it's through talking to other people. And I found other friends of ours who watch Twin Peaks who are, and Steph, obviously, who I was able to talk with about that. And having that conversation was really, really enriching to the experience too, just being a part of it as it happened. Because the other thing was that was really interesting. They weren't releasing trailers. And unlike most TV shows, critics weren't getting screens ahead of time. Mm, so the chances of being together. spoiled were 0%. Every week, everybody, mm. except probably Lynch and a couple of people around him who were editing the series, had never seen it before. So that was kind of special. Mm. And it, you cannot re be replicated. And I've been thinking about this since. Anyone who goes to watch it from now on won't get to have the experience I've had over the last 18 weeks, whatever it's been. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of great. Um, and it's the same for anyone who's watching Game of Thrones now versus who's going to binge it later on. Mm. But I think it would make an... I don't think it would make as big a difference, if that makes sense. I think, like, Breaking Bad, I'm sure, in the moment, definitely it mattered a lot to be watching at the time, but we were able to watch it and still love it. Um, well. well, relatively. Yeah. So I think I, I, I just think it would have helped a lot. Watching Breaking Bad, if we had been there while the it was time, on, and that would have really changed our opinion of about quite a few things. I think possibly, yeah, especially early. Oh, no, see, early on, no one was watching it though. We were excited about the ending though. I mean, the the, the last season, not necessarily. Pardon me, the last two episodes, which we have problems mm. with. Um, but, you know, Aussie Mandius. But can you imagine like watching those episodes week to week and then having a bunch of people to talk to? Talk with about it. It would absolutely. Who were just it, as though. excited as you because yep. they had just seen it as well. Yeah, yeah. I do. I just more than any other show I can think of. I feel sorry for anyone who tries to watch this later. To have, yeah, missed out on being part of it. It was an event. It felt like an event every week because there was no way of being spoiled. I didn't really. It was pure. Feel like it was so good. It was how TV was meant to be watched. <laughs> it was great. I, I never thought of Twin Peaks as being an event because I maybe knew like a handful of people that watched it. Right. Uh, okay. And that's fair. Like, yeah. there's unless you're inside that zeitgeist, that small little microcosm, it's not an event. But for a lot of people, getting another series of Twin Peaks 25 years later, this cult series mm. that just has a dedicated following, it was an event. Yeah. Um. And it would have been scary, I imagine, for them. Scarier than for me, because I already I went in with low expectations. For them, it would have meant so much. Imagine if Firefly got a season two. Like, I would be excited and extremely fearful that that would suck. Yeah, I never thought of people being fearful because it is Lynch. And I feel like so many of the people who appreciate his work do think he can do no wrong. But that, well, that's been interesting because that's been proven to not be the case at all. Many people haven't liked this season who love really? Twin Peaks. Yes. Ooh, Many people God. love it. And mm. especially people who are really into like TV and film as a medium, like mm. media pundits and, you know, la di da critics. La di da critics. <laughs> Arty people mm. have uh, coming away from this, like talking about this being one of the most interesting or important um, television series ever and stuff like this, like really talking about just how special it was. And mm. I think they've got some valid points, but because of its exclus exclusivity, because unless you're inside that- It's impenetrable, yeah. Yeah, it's impenetrable <laughs> to so many people. I, mm. I think that's not, I think yeah, it's a hard argument to really make, but in some ways I think it is true. 
I, and some of the things I want to talk about, I think that that hopefully explains what helped me to appreciate this season. Just go in and enjoy it in a way I didn't enjoy season one. Mainly just not binging it. That helped by itself. Yeah. But also all this other stuff that was going around it helped as well. But but I think like in not binging it, all that stuff that was going on around, you were able to participate in. Oh, helps. So I think like binging, not binging it is like 90 The number one thing. Yeah. Of- I've, I'm sure if I tried to watch this inside a week like you did, I probably would have hated it. Yeah. Because I would have forced myself to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't. And it makes me question this entire podcast. <laughs> I'm really happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, one of the things I want to do here as well, do you have anything you want to talk about specifically at this point? Not at this point. Okay. No. Please interrupt me at any stage because I've got a lot. Okay. Um, I wanted to go through some of the things that I brought up as discussion points from season one, things that I found to be a weakness okay. in season one. Number one being the writing. Mm. Now, I don't think the writing is necessarily that much different or improved over season one of Twin Peaks. Mm. However, one thing I did like about it was that the show wasn't... There were, two, there were two elements about this that I really liked. It was light on the soap opera and heavy on the sci-fi. Whereas mm-hmm. season yep. one of Twin Peaks was heavy on the on we the got a lot of soap, yeah. soap, which I had no interest in really. Mm-hmm. Even if it was trying to take the mickey or be yeah. a parody or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think it was certainly a product of the time. Right. Yeah. Whereas this, Lynch was unleashed um, and was able to go completely bonkers sci-fi with this. And I really appreciate that. I am much more interested in weird ideas and parallel dimensions. I mean, he could have been completely unleashed in that first one. That was just his sensibility at the time and what he wanted to explore at the time. Possibly, except that knowing the relationship between Peaks and the network and them wanting certain things out of that show, which effectively got Mm. David Lynch to leave the show... And Frost as well, I believe. Yeah. Which ultimately led to the death of that show, its initial run anyway. Um, I'd say the what's been interesting about Showtime is I remember hearing about it, the idea of it coming back and Lynch being on board and everyone getting excited and then hearing here he was walking away from it because he couldn't get full creative control. And everyone was like, oh, well, it's dead. It's never happening anymore. Mm. And then Showtime coming to the table and going, fine, whatever. Here's the, all the money in the world. Go and make your show, I guess. We'll just keep out of it. And I think that's true of what happened. There's very little about this show that makes me go, oh, yeah, that's where the network really wanted them to do get mm. this done or whatever. I just think, like, what, thinking back on season one and the soap opera stuff, like, that was in the pilot, I feel like. He probably, like, he was he was outrightly making fun of that kind of stuff. Okay. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. But you're right. The soap opera stuff, which is not as relevant anymore, mm. is gone. Mm-hmm. Much more sci-fi, which I said I'm much more interested in. Yeah. Gets my gears a turning. Mm-hmm. And so that was something I was easily able to latch on to writing-wise. Just mm-hmm. bigger, broader ideas. Um, also, yeah, bigger in scope, not just in terms of the ideas, but even just in terms of setting. It wasn't just stuck in Twin Peaks, which at first frustrated me. I actually had a hard time. I was like, why are we in Vegas? Why are we here? Why are we there? But as the show went on and we got introduced to other characters that I started to enjoy, <laughs> especially the Vegas stuff I really started, which at times, at times was tedious. But a lot of the time is really enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, there were. I feel like individually there was a lot that I liked. Okay, about like I liked the Dougie stuff. I it felt like a movie from like the nineteen eighties, like Fish Out of Water, like Splash or something like it, or like you know how like a kid like a, like an alien comes to live with them. Like it felt like that kind of movie. I'm like I'm totally down for that. Whatever that is. So I was into that. 
I was into the FBI stuff that was happening with um, what's Lynch's character's name again? Gordon. Gordon and all that stuff I really enjoyed. So there were elements in it that I enjoyed individually. Mm-hmm. But the more that was just added on and added on or brought back from the past and brought back from the past and it was like this huge monstrosity of moving parts mm-hmm. was when I was just like, I can't be fucked with this. Another character, introdu- you're introducing another character. There was character. over 120 <sighs> named characters, I think, in the show. Look, I'm going to say it's probably too many. Mm-hmm. It was It was overwhelming. And like some of it you can, I think you can discard, but you can't know that in the moment. Hey, Ashley Judd's character. Oh, absolutely. Fucking hell. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. That's a ca- Ashley Judd is a babe and I want to watch it's her all day long. It's essentially a cameo though. But, but what? Oh, you've got 18 hours. It's too long. Sure. <laughs> it is when you watch all at once. It isn't when you watch it in hour chunks. I just like, yeah, sure. But just narratively, I don't understand why those bits are there. It's because it's not because... And I'm not sure if I've... Have I brought this on the podcast yet? I it's, it's not necessarily about the narrative at all times. Sometimes yeah. it's about the moment. Sometimes it's about the mood or the tone or this little microcosm idea. And some of it... I'll, and I'd say a lot of the stuff that I would discard personally is not being interesting. that interesting to me. Mm. Uh, he... Lynch is, has added into the... So, the, the major sub... The major plot or driving narrative force of this of this season is Cooper um, coming out of the lodge, uh, mm-hmm. being put into sort of replacing Dougie, him not being quite right yet, basically just becoming, eventually returning as Agent Cooper proper so he can resolve the dangling thread of doppelganger Cooper and evil Cooper and, and Bob, right? Yeah. Which ultimately gets resolved. At the end of this, that that cliffhanger at the end of season mm-hmm. two with Kyle McLaughlin banging his head into the mirror and you can see Bob on the other side and he's possessed by Bob, which has been a cliffhanger for 25 years, has been resolved. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that, so you've got that going on with this, all the stuff with Agent Co- oh, sorry with Evil Cooper on the road. You've got all the stuff with Dougie in Las Vegas. You've got all the stuff with Gordon and the other FBI agents sort of investigating. That's sort of the main... And even the stuff that's happening in Twin Peaks with the police. Uh, the police station, the sheriff's department. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, you've got basically what he's sort of doing is like giving you a little sneak peek into what all the other characters from the original Twin Peaks are doing, but not really making them caught by the narrative. So you get a peek in at what Norma and Ed are doing, for instance, and Mm. maybe sort of go, well, they actually had a nice, happy sort of romantic resolution to their storyline, which will always look quite tragic. And actually, he spent a lot of time reflecting on how sad Ed's life has been. Nadine is still there. He's still attached to her and hasn't been able to get with Norma. And he's eating soup by himself I've at the end no of one season. I've got no sympathy for Ed. Don't you? No, not at all. Sure. He, he has a choice in that situation. And he continues to stay in that marriage. So, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, right. And that's and I think there might be some tragedy to that. This idea that he, while maybe he was in love with Nadine at one stage and he feels like beholden to her and even though they make no sense together whatsoever he can't be with Norma anyway doesn't really matter what the <laughs> the point is even if you like it or don't like it that was just sort of like a little micro story that you got mm. you got to see is it oh, Billy no um, Major Briggs's uh, Bobby son. Bobby thank you Bobby and what's happening with him and Shelley mm-hmm. and you find out they have been together they've had a kid but now they're separated that was sort of a happy and tragic yeah. ending to that storyline and then we line. get that great storyline about the druggy boyfriend that was awesome yeah right That's that was terrible I agree <laughs> and sort of what I think he was trying to do there was incorporate 
a little bit of the dark teenage um, soap opera from the original series and mm. show, well, this is what the teenagers of 25 years later are doing in Twin Peaks. And it's very similar to what Laura Palmer was sort of involved with when she was there. Whether that works for you or not, that's fine. I, I, I would say that's the stuff I would disregard personally because I don't care that much about Twin Peaks, the town, mm. so much as I care about Cooper and the overall... Uh, metaphysical sci-fi narrative mm-hmm. that's going on behind it. So that stuff, I would, if I asked to get rid of stuff to cut it down, I would get rid of. But mm-hmm. I understand why it's there, and there are a lot of those moments that I was able to enjoy for what they were, as long as I remembered to not try and pretend that this was going to matter. And another example of that is the stuff that was always happening at the Bang Bang Bar at the end of the episodes, right? Where you'd have these. So that was the Bang Bang Bar, and not the Roadhouse. I think they're the same thing, aren't they? The, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Why they have two different names then? They're, I can't remember. I, maybe I'm getting that wrong. Anyway, okay. the Roadhouse, whatever mm. you want to call it. But they always have the bang, bang, but Sarah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they, you would have the band play. Before you had the band play, you'd just have this little look inside a storyline that yeah, wasn't really coming very, together of people talking. That was one of my questions was what the fuck was that? Well, some people, this was one of the interesting narrative turns I thought that never kind of got resolved and it will frustrate me and others for a long time I'm sure it was almost like some people suggested this was a Joanna Robinson thing which I thought was interesting it was almost like a palate cleanser at the end of the episode this is what the band was in that bit at the end it was almost like um, listen, we're going to move out of the core narrative and I'm just going to leave you with this, like what people uh, in, in Twin Peaks are talking about or what's going on sort of behind the scenes and construct narrative here. Then it gets connected to the Audrey stuff at the end mm. and I was hating the Audrey stuff. All this stuff with her and her husband and her not being able to leave and go in looking for Billy and stuff like that was frustrating the fuck out of me. Everyone was waiting for Audrey to return. Audrey is a fan favourite. Everyone mm. wanted to see her you know, I mean, I loved Audrey, and I didn't even particularly like the first season. Right, but I loved her. Yeah, and everyone's looking forward to her coming back. We knew she was coming back. What was it that going to be? What was she going to be up to? And it was this weird, abusive or emotionally abusive relationship with her husband. It seemed like, and it was like, well, this doesn't make sense. This is an awful way to treat this character. Mm. Until we get to episode sixteen, and we find out that it's a little more complicated than that, and actually, was something kind of cool going on. The whole time. But but that's just speculative, right? Well, no, it's not speculative that there is something either supernatural or metaphysical happening in that. Yes. In that. But that it's... That it's something cool? That's uh, sure. cool or has meaning or is anything I, other than... I think there will... A hint at something that we will never know. Well, at this stage, unless we go to season four, it's unlikely we'll ever know exactly what was going on there. Or mm. maybe another sequel movie or something like that. Um, but for me, I would hazard a guess it's one of two things. Mm-hmm. Either we, I believe what happens at the end of season two is she's involved in an explosion. Right. And so they talk a couple of times during the return that she in is a in a coma. Yeah. So the question was always, there's a Richard Horn around, mm. her son. Yeah. Right. Who's now dead. R.I.P. Who's now dead. But there was the son of her and Evil Cooper. Mm-hmm. So how did that come to pass? So, either she was in the coma, then came out of the coma, was had sex or was raped by Evil mm-hmm. Cooper, had Richard, has then gone crazy and is either in a mental asylum, which is alluded to by this, or perhaps she's still in the coma and while she was in the coma, Evil Cooper has had sex with her, raped her, and then she's had 
um, Richard mm. while still in a coma. Can he make like a baby with a seed and some DNA of hers? Like, can or can you only do clones? Uh, by the what we've seen, you would think it's only clones. Right. I think most people would suggest that she, it. They mean she had the baby. Mm. It would seem most people understand that he's her son, so yeah. that she is gestated this. That we know he's raped Diane. Yeah. So there's every reason to believe that he deliberately has gone mm. after the women that Cooper proper cares about and has sort of, uh, yeah, violated them on purpose. Seems to be the thing there. So either mm. she's in a coma, she's in a mental asylum, or possibly he, much like he did with Diane, has taken her to a lodge-type place mm. and she is stuck there. Right. Either I, way, I it's think a ju- I sorry, read or heard somewhere that someone thought that um, her – no, that doesn't work, actually, now that I've thought about it myself. But, sorry, the thing was that the stuff at the roadhouse at the end of her episodes was her like was in her head – Yes, so if she's yeah. in a coma, that would be in her... Uh, do you mean at the end of every episode? Yeah. That doesn't work... That doesn't work because of the fight. Yeah, there was a couple of times where people, mm. characters have gone in and out in of and that out scenario. And, yeah, done separate things. Now, does that mean it's impossible that all these things are completely disconnected? I think it's possible you could argue the way they talk about dreams that maybe these are a shared reality of some sort, yeah. a dream What's, reality. I think about that quote... We are the dreamers who dream and then live inside the dream. But who is the but dreamer? But who is the dreamer? So, it's it's hinting at an idea. And, of course, Lynch is famous for not really explaining this stuff. And if you asked him to, he'd say no. <laughs> it's meant until such time as there is more Twin Peaks content, we will never know the definitive answer to those things. But, yes, it's easily... You could just say that episode 16 is disconnected and is just her something's going on in her head or in her coma or whatever it might be Mm. that has no connection to the other bang bang bar or roadhouse scenes maybe they are connected in some weird dream world metaphysical thing that is very hard to explain or define its rules or whatever (laughs) Mm -hmm. however there's something to chew on there that's kind of interesting and it was it helped to recontextualize not just her scenes with her husband in the house, which were god-awful, but now seem like basically her own psychosis, which makes way more sense and is way more interesting. Or, um, and also, sorry, the stuff that was happening at the end of every episode may be involved with her as well, which I haven't got had a chance to go back and look mm-hmm. into it, but maybe that will be recontextualized too and be worth reinvestigating. Anyway, I can't remember how we came to that stuff. Me either. <laughs> um... But yeah, I don't know. I was, I guess, what I was trying to say was those things. While they weren't directly related to the main plot, as long as you remembered that and understood that, I think, and were happy to just go, "Oh, we're getting a little episode of this now." Don't get too frustrated. Don't just be. If I'm okay with that, this all I can enjoy this. This is not going to relate back to Cooper. And mm-hmm. if it does, great, excellent surprise for me. Enjoy it for what it is. I, was I wish you had coached me about how to watch this season before I'd watched it. Well, this is what I was asking when I was watching season one. I wanted, I felt like I'd missed something. Like, yeah. what was I getting wrong? What was I doing wrong? I'm trying to watch this the way I'd watch any other show, mm-hmm. and I'm it's I'm not enjoying it. Someone tell me what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. I just kept getting told, "Oh, you just won't get it. You just won't get it." Yeah. And for whatever reason, not I, I guess it was Joanna. I guess it was Peaks TV that helped me do it. Mm. Um. It did help to coach me a little bit as to how to watch this stuff. And it makes me want to go back and watch the rest of Twin Peaks with mm. the knowledge I have now. I yeah. feel like I can appreciate a lot more. 
Um, it'll help both going back and forward. It will recontextualize things for me. I'm sure there's details I missed. I'm sure there's details I honest, I'll be able to go back and go, oh, I know what that's going to refer to later on now. Mm-hmm. It makes me want to go back and watch Mulholland Drive again. It even makes me want to go back and watch Inland Empire, which I famously hate. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I as much as I did not grab a hold of this season of Twin Peaks, mm. as we were coming to those, I think, last three episodes, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not anytime soon, but I will rewatch this season. So I was like, I'm happy to like go back and rewatch it because mm-hmm. I think there are things there that I just couldn't figure out or couldn't see or for whatever reason because I was just in a blur of bullshit. Um, sure. But but yeah, no. In those last three episodes, I was like, there's something here, and I would like to rewatch it, but I'm just not in the headspace. Right now to you, enjoy you it. You can't be the way you were doing it, unfortunately. No. <laughs> you gotta you gotta dose it out. You gotta yeah, you do. dose it out. It's like I've like we've tried binge watching all of Harry Potter all eight movies in a row. And you can do it, but mm. you've got to do something else while you're watching it. Like yeah, you we can't... play games and eat delicious food. And the only way that works, yeah, exactly, because we're we're amusing ourselves in other ways, mm-hmm. plus we know those stories inside out. So it doesn't matter if we tune out for a little bit, we're gonna yeah. miss anything. Mm-hmm. Most of the time we're just Making monkey shines at it anyway. We're just like <laughs> laughing at it and go, oh, how dumb's that be? Yeah. That's nothing like the books. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And that's because you, if you actually did that and tried to watch it, you, and this is like an 18 hour movie. Like that's what Lynch has made here is an 18 hour movie mm-hmm. um, that's separated into 18. It's why it's called part one, part two, all the way to 18. It's not really a separate, they're not really episodes. No. They don't f- work like conventional episodes, they don't flow like conventional episodes. So trying to watch it. Yeah, you would just, of course, it's going to fry your brain. I feel like my body rhythm was out of sync with it because my brain would be like, okay, we're done now. And I'd look, I'd be like, oh, it's only been 15 minutes. Yeah. Because the flow of the episode was so, like, not what I was used to expecting. Yeah. yeah. And then, but the flip side was this by the, I was like that when I started watching it. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, this scene's gone forever. It's like, oh my God, it's another one. This guy is just sweeping the floor for 10 minutes. What the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, I wrote a note about that. I'm like, we have to watch this guy sweep the floor for 15 hours. What the <laughs> fuck is this? But by weirdly, right? Mm. Somehow something flicked in me because I was getting into it and going, damn it, there's only 10 minutes left. Like I was, really? I was hating. I was like this episode. Like that's it was, shocking. I know, and like scenes were still ridiculously long, but I was just more in tune with what he was doing. We watched the last two episodes tonight. Oh, I rewatched you watched mm-hmm. with Liam, who's mm-hmm. been on the podcast before. Yes, your a- brother. And he is basically for someone who's a film student mm. or has been a film student now works in media has not watched any Lynch apparently. No. And listen, obviously, don't just throw, don't start watching Lynch in episode seventeen <laughs> of the third season of his television show, mm. right? But he started watching it with us and all his comments were exactly my comments about season one. They were exactly one. the same. Oh, and you were is... like, oh, you're so ignorant, <laughs> Liam. I was like, ah, oh, you remember you. I do. Yeah. I, I remember those comments. And it's funny watching that now and looking mm. at that and reflecting and going, oh, that's exactly what I thought about season one. Mm-hmm. And probably still do to some degree think of that season one. Again, the soap opera stuff doesn't do anything for me. It's funny because we talked about on that episode... Lauren, who was on the podcast that episode, was like, don't watch season two. Mm. And she described the bit at the start of that season. I don't know if you've watched this clip yet or not. Where uh, Season one ends with Cooper being shot, right? And then oh, yeah. She, yeah, I remember The guy comes in that, yeah. and he's like got a message from whatever it was and comes in and gives him the thumbs up, right? 
So that to me sounded hilarious. That is way more in line with the Lynch that I l- like now, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And I've re I've watched that clip even before watching the return. Mm. I was like, no, nah, that I that I can get on board with. That is yeah. that's just absurd enough to be funny to me. Well yeah, there was there were a lot of moments watching this, I was like, I like this is the kind of humor that I really enjoy. Like it's Tim and Eric, it's wet hot American summer. I find sure. that shit fucking hilarious like awkward pauses are always funny to me yeah always or like just a scene where people are staring at each other for way too long hilarious right without fail always funny so i certainly enjoy an absurd sense of humor and they're probably my favorite bits within this show so i'm down for that but it was just a little too few and far between sure all right get through a few other things that i wanted to bring up here the music Mm. so some one of my key criticisms of season one was they kept using the same goddamn motifs over and over and over again ad nauseum. I hadn't heard this criticism until finally the other day David Chen brought it up. I keep referring to the podcast. This is a pod now a podcast about, about another podcast. podcast. I know. Yeah. But he brought it up too. And I was like, thank God someone else agrees with me. That was overused and it is really irritating help. Mm. So this was a show that it used its that theme sparingly and very deliberately. It knew when to do it, and when it when it came up, you recognised and went, "Oh, something important's happening." This is this is important, mm-hmm. and the rest of the time, the music was it wasn't reused. It was there was very rarely music. Really, it was much more about soundscapes than anything mm. with Lynch, and the music that was atmospheric, yeah, stuff happening. Yeah, it was just it wasn't the same thing at nauseum, and that by itself was enough to just not irritate me and drive me mm-hmm. up the wall. So that was good. I've already talked about it being light on, light on soap, heavy on sci-fi. I talked about being bigger and broader in scope. Um, yeah, that makes a big difference. I found it st- at times staggeringly beautiful, like gorgeous. And I mentioned in the breakdown that, or the facts and figures part, that Lynch directed all 18 episodes. Mm. That's a monumental effort that I didn't appreciate. Yeah, for like even though it wasn't for me, yeah. like kudos. Like I can't give him enough credit for the amount of work, the amount of love and passion gone into this project. Like you can't fault him for that. No. It's incredible. That is so much work. And it shows it pays off though because there is a stylistic consistency to the show. It is one thing. It, it is, is one a whole complete thing. Yeah. Thought complete. Yes. Thing it is Lynch. It, it is, is Lynch. Lynch. Yeah, and the the effort and the work and the care that has gone into some of these shots, just how like in a scene that could easily just be a standard too far talky thing, and, and it would work in the way that you wanted to. If it would, he would choose. Put the camera in a place and light it in a way and stage in a way that would just look completely unique and unlike anything you'd else you'd see on television. Mm. And God, that was really helpful again to just like suck me in and help me pay attention to this show. Was that while there are these ridiculously long pauses and people are not talking in any real human way here, it that worked alongside this eerie or unsettling or staggeringly beautiful or whatever it was shot that was going along with it. It just created such a sense of mood and place and tone and oh I God that worked. I would me. love to see who his set designer is. Oh. Um so good. Because I would like to see what else they've done because it's beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Um, utterly absurd. We've already talked sort of mm-hmm. about the absurdity. And, of course, Lynch is famous for absurdity. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I've come around on it. It was, well, I just, I guess it got so ridiculous at times, more so than the first season of Twin Peaks in particular. Mm. When you've got... I am the arm, I've evolved into a tree. And you've got this tree-like structure that I sound like this. Or you've got the the little person who's the assassin. Or you've got um, the candy, the two... Yeah, candy and, and the, the two other and ones. And the two other pink girls. Yeah. Completely ridiculous and absurd. Well, I just love, like, scenes where... Um, I've got the quote here where, like... Um, sorry, what's Lynch's character again? Uh, Gordon. Gordon. Gordon comes out to see Diane while she's smoking outside mm. and he's, that woman's with her and he's like, I came out to join you, Diane, while Albert's indisposed. And then uh, you, they didn't, just, you, didn't, you didn't shout that, by the way. No, I didn't. I came out <laughs> to, to join you, you Diane. Diane, while Albert's indisposed. That's it. That's a good lynch yeah. impression. <laughs> and then they just stare at each other for like a solid minute. Yeah. And it's just like, that's amazing. That is such a good scene. And like we have uh, Michael Sarah playing Marlon Brando, oh, which is fucking incredible. That's that's that, my favourite bit in the that, entire thing. That, that went a long way to me, getting me on board. Because <laughs> just, and I guess it's a point of reference for me, familiarity. I know Michael Sarah. I know what he is. He knew what he was doing. Everyone in that scene knew what they were doing. They knew how it funny was so it was. Funny. And I was like, okay, I think I get you now. I think you get me now. This is a good place to be. We're sort of finding some common ground here, and that was... Helpful too. That scene is fucking amazing. That <laughs> may the so may may the road rise up to meet your wheels. What was the line he was talking That's about? That's a lovely turn of phrase. <laughs> <laughs> and what, I think there was a line. I don't remember it word for word, but I think it was something along the lines of "It's like it's just." Uh, oh man, I'm I'm gonna need to look it up actually. What is it? Because I got a few of the of his lines. Yeah. There's the one about his shadow. Oh, um. It's, it will, I've just got the further. It's like, my shadow is always with me. And then he talks about it. It was like, either it being behind or in front of him, sometimes to the left, sometimes, sometimes to, to the, the right. right, sometimes to the left. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's just Fuck, beautiful. that made me laugh. And then he, he's come back to tell his parents that they can build a study in his bedroom. Yes, yes. So they can build a study. Such beautiful people. <laughs> <laughs> so that scene is just incredible. That scene is amazing. Mm. Um... Yeah, so love the that the absurdity there. Oh, you know what else I liked, which is just ridiculous. Like if a show can make me like this person, there must be something special about it. Mm. Jim Belushi. <laughs> yeah. According to Jim, mm. was yeah, great. I, I, I did tweet about that. Was actually. great in this show. I thought you were saying according to Jim was great. No, no, no. <laughs> Jim Belushi, mm. who is never been great, ever. I mean, anything. I enjoyed him in Curly Sue, personally, but... Anyway, <laughs> he have uh, he has been the butt of many a joke, yes. especially at the, at the cost of Dan Harmon, uh, and rightly so, and he was awesome in this, and it's Sorry, like... I just remembered that Dan Harmon joke. That's oh, really funny. Oh, so funny. Do you mean the, uh, the Mitch Hurwitz one? That's my favourite one. Is that... It was the one where, like, people... Oh, well, you say the joke. Okay, the joke. so it's one of my favourite things. This is another podcast, the Harmon Town podcast. <laughs> Um, Mitch Hurwitz is on. He's been doing impressions the entire time uh, about a bunch of different people, and they're talking about Jim Belushi. And then Jeff goes, "Hey, uh, Mitch, do you have a do you have a Jim Belushi impression?" And quick as a whip, he takes a quick breath, and before you know it, he says, "Well, I have a John Belushi impression, but it's not very good, so yes." <laughs> and and Kamal Nanjiani's on the episode, yeah. and everyone's pissing themselves, and he's like, 
did you write that a week ago and hope we'd get here? Because that was ridiculous. <laughs> it's one of the funniest things. Uh, one of the best bits of improv I've ever heard in my yeah. life. Just so funny. Um, yeah. And so, but I, he's a joke for a reason. And he was great in this. Like, found his calling? I don't know. Really absurd. I really I love like the- being mi- quite- the Mitchum brothers, about it. Like, the Mitchum brothers, good. hilarious. No, the Mitchum brothers were great. I loved the Mitchum brothers it together. Was a, a lot of fun. The bit when I'm they're not... in the driveway, and just because someone's like career has not been great and they perform quite well, does not mean it's fucking groundbreaking no, work. No, no, I'm not saying it's groundbreaking. <laughs> I'm not saying no. He's not. He's not getting an Oscar for this performance. I'm just saying, like, he it, was fine. I'm just. I'm just impressed that anyone can make Jim Belushi work for me. Oh, okay. That bit when they're in the driveway and they've watched like the scene go down with the uh, the accountant and the assassins, count yeah. the assassins and the uh, I can't remember the other Mitchum brothers' name. He's just like people in this town are very stressed <laughs> under a lot <laughs> one, of stress. One thing oh. I did like was when um, Coop has finally like regained himself, and the two Mitchum brothers they meet him at the casino with his family, and they're talking about how like oh he's really talkative today, and then it's like mm. pause, and then Jim Blue she's like. Side effects. Yeah, Side yeah, effects. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, disturbing in so many ways. The there is there are so many images. Um, the you've got all like just the sequence involving the woodsman, the gotta light sequence. Yeah. So gotta light, gotta light, gotta and light. The, the what's the the. Drink from the well, oh, whatever it is, that whole thing that keeps repeating, and just oh, the weird. Like, I am cog- the water, I am the well. Or drink, whatever. drink well from, yeah. Oh. Mm. Just being repeated at nauseam, the way he was like doing a mountain to an Oberon, just crushing people's heads. Mm. Or I found that pretty funny, personally. Did you? Yeah. The, the, the thing, the bug thing that was crawling into that, who may or may not be that Sarah is Palmer. That's fucking disgusting. Yeah. That is fucked, so right? gross. Totally fucked. When the woodsman- If anyone like follows me on Twitter, you can read my tweets about what I thought about that fucking thing. I oh really enjoyed your live uh, tweeting Good. today. I needed, because I, I needed that sense of community. Yeah. I needed to feel supported while I was binge watching like eight hours of this fucking show. Yeah, yeah. The um, the bit where the woodsmen are like, like Cooper's being shot, and they sort of like. Rubbing his blood oh, everywhere. Yeah. Mm. So many fucked up things like that. Mm. Really effective. And even just a certain sound, like Laura Palmer's scream is enough to make your skin crawl. It's so... I know. It just kind of makes me erect. <laughs> that was hunting seasons, everyone. <laughs> You're a monster. <laughs> no, uh, well, I, one thing that really did disturb me was when, like, it was in the first episode when we see um, the two bodies put in the bed, like the head yeah. and then the different... Yeah, the man's body. Or is it episode one or episode two where there's like the two, that young couple on the couch and they're like mm. having sex and then the monster episode thing. Episode one. Episode one. Because I was like, it's like a classic horror movie where they're making out in the car. Yeah. Except it's not like a slasher murderer dude. It's, I don't know, a we weird even know dimensional what it what's it, who's it? Yeah. Monster thing that was just, mm. yeah, ripping apart. Like, mm. Yeah, cool. Um, surprisingly coherent, as I said, which was helped again by- um, listening to the podcast and having someone yeah, take the dots for me. it wasn't coherent to me at all. But did you find that a lot of those narrative threads were coming to a head? And yes. Like there was conclusion the and like there, I was like, oh, thank God, it wasn't just nonsense. Yeah. Because that was my worry for particularly yeah. for the first seven episodes. I was sure. like, 
oh no, like there's there's nothing that I can hold on to at all in this. I'm yeah. fucking lost. I'm adrift and I've got a mil- like 11 episodes to go. Fuck me. Um, but oh. then towards like maybe the last five, I was like, oh, okay, all right. Things are happening. Uh, how were you going with the whole waiting for Cooper to obviously become Cooper again? Like when he was Dougie. Hurry the fuck up! Okay, imagine imagine that, but doing it weekly by week and watching, <laughs> like enjoying the Dougie stuff of what it was. But like, are we gonna get any Cooper? Are we? Is it gonna just? He's gonna be finally become Cooper. Go to say something and then cut to black. Like, what is Lynch doing with this here? He's playing with our expectations. I think just before he electrocuted himself, I think my con was like. Oh, great. We get to watch Coop eat some cake for five minutes. <laughs> awesome. This is exactly what I want. And then he electrocuted himself. I'm like, thank fucking goodness. And yet, even when we got Cooper back, I kind of missed Dougie. Like. I didn't. I really was enjoying Dougie. I enjoyed moments with Dougie, but oh, it was really stretched out. So, but like in the middle. Like, I loved him with his wife. And or Janie E. Yeah, I love that gym. stuff. And I loved just seeing him like try to like go through a, a door and everyone <laughs> was just so nice to him. Like, come on, Dougie. Like that, like I thought that was really sweet. <laughs> but there was a lot of stuff. I'm like, I don't need this. The um uh, but yeah, you're right. In the middle of the season as well. And when you're watching this over, you know, 12, 18 weeks, whatever it was, mm. imagine how lost I felt. Nine weeks in going, is any of this going to connect? <laughs> is any of this going to mean anything at the end mm. of it? So when it did, I was that was quite surprising. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, did, you, did you feel like Lynch was commenting on modern America or television with... This season of television as well, like I think there's definitely there's obviously him playing on expectations when he does what he's done with Dougie. What do you mean? Well, the whole Cooper thing, right, is a massive long tease. He mm. knew Twin Peaks coming back that people wanted to see Agent Cooper, and he kept it from us basically for as long as he possibly could, mm-hmm. as a way of playing on expectations and and making us earn it on. The idea of instant gratification and taking that away from us. But also, there was like, are you coming today on Twitter about the scene of the woman honking her horn? In Yeah. Like, did you feel like that was commenting on people's impatience or like modern day disconnect and like selfishness and that their own worlds are totally the most important thing that's going on, even though there's a person that's been sh- shooting, that's had a gun 
in the same car and like no, it just made me go, oh, Lynch likes grotesque things, and that's just like another version of a grotesque human. That's what it made me think. Okay, yeah, I don't know. I think I mean when um, Audrey does her dance, mm-hmm. I was like, <laughs> all right. So the night before. Well, okay, so a couple of nights before, my girlfriend and I had watched the Charlie's Angels movie um, just for fun. We were intoxicated. We were having a giggle watching that movie. And then so the night – so last night we watched Charlie's Angel Full Throttle, which is the classic sequel to a film that was popular in which they just rehash. Yeah, just remake the original film basically. What was popular except it has no soul. Yep. And so when Audrey started dancing, I was like – is this a critique on like fan service and how she's just kind of like not even there and she like and then she breaks out of it and she's like, get me out of here. I was like, is this a critique? I don't know what it's saying, but it certainly doesn't feel the same and it feels a little soulless. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. And Who I think knows? if I was I, I need to be a bit more sophisticated at talking about this stuff and maybe <laughs> spend a bit more time with it, but I think there there is there is ultimately a lot of thematic stuff to dive into there if you I want to. no doubt there is. There's, I'm just not. The stuff with Dr. Yeah, Jacoby there. as well and like his whole thing about um, shoveling out of shoveling yourself out of the shit, shit yeah. but doing so while making a buck at the same time and how sucked in Nadine is into that whole thing. And yet somehow through all of that, she actually is able to let go of Ed and allow Ed to finally get the happiness that he deserves, even if it is just a, a ploy from Dr. Jacoby Essentially, it's just a market. It's just a get rich scheme on his part. Mm. He spray paints some shovels. And- <laughs> I did like his contraption, his spray painting contraption. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Yeah, it was awesome. There was a theory. I don't know if this is ever confirmed. I don't think it was actually in the mm. end. That that was like uh, some of Nadine's um, whisper quiet. Oh. <laughs> rape drum. Like she invented oh, that. I maybe. need to rewatch that scene to see if it was silent. Yeah, if it made made mm. noise or not. Um, but like, I think there. Yeah, there is just a lot going on in there, or even. The sort of apathy that people, the 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 way that people just, no one comments on Coop on Dougie being basically <laughs> almost catatonic, mental, yeah, <laughs> and just sort of appease yeah. him when like was what's his wife's name Jane Janie E Janie E, um when she's like yeah with him I'm like take him to the hospital he's had a stroke yeah. like there's something really wrong with this guy they just keep opening doors yeah. for him and going oh yeah. Dougie. But he's apparently just having like another Like, they just episode. don't see each other. Like, yeah. they just don't see him as a person. They just, oh, he'll be fine. He's all right. Yeah, everything he's can just be, like, rationalized away. Everything's yeah. rationalized. Yeah. Although, I just love how everything always works out for him. Like, he just only repeats, like, the last word or two of the last what the last person said, and somehow yeah. everyone reads into that. I was like, okay, yeah, he heard read, me. Read, they feel acknowledged, yeah. so they don't notice anything. They yeah. read into what he said. Yeah. Very funny to me. Um, and I guess the other thing that was just good, maybe this came at a good time when we've been watching so many different TV shows and talking about Game of Thrones and how that's getting more conventional mm-hmm. and watching The Defenders and all that stuff and just getting really, really like worn down by how samey they all are. To get something this original, this different, this bold, this daring mm. was pretty refreshing for me. Mm-hmm. That helped a lot. That went a long way. So I'm just smiling because I'm thinking back to your season one Fucking, I hate on it. how I hate it. refreshing <laughs> Twin Peaks was. It's pretty funny. Anyway, yeah, no, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad you got something out of it because I know you were feeling binge fatigue quite badly yeah. over the last few weeks. Yep. Now I've got it, so thanks for passing that on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm glad you've had a break. That's good. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> 
Let, is there anything anything yet that you want to bring up and discuss that we haven't got to yet? I mean, we've kind of I've yeah mentioned who cares about the druggy boyfriend in the woods? Who cares uh, about Ashley Judd stuff? We mentioned the dreamer, but who is the dreamer? Um, Do you have a theory on that or what that's talking about? The only person I can think of is Audrey because it appeared like she was waking up, but I don't know what that means or how any of it is connected. I've got no fucking idea. Sure. No idea. Um, so I think maybe maybe I've already conveyed this. I'm not sure, but I I need characters that I yeah. empathise with. You, this is not just on this show. No, this is full stop. This is extremely important. <laughs> this to is you. why I love television. Yeah, is because if I'm able to connect or understand a character, I'm in and yeah, tick tick tick. This show doesn't have that. It doesn't mm-hmm. have that access point for me. So I am always at arm's length. Um Yeah, without like and without it I'm I feel empty and I feel really bored. Sure. Cuz without like emotion, I don't know why I'm watching something. What else did we watch that you couldn't connect to at all cuz there were no characters but I was enjoying because, or maybe we were just when we were talking about me watching this, how much I was enjoying it. I just kept telling you how beautiful it was, and you were like, "Yeah, but you're a yeah." That was a, that was about Twin Peaks. Yeah, you're I'm like a, you can enjoy the aesthetics of it, or like as a filmmaker, mm. what that means to create that. I don't understand that stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm watching it because so often we'll be talking about something like, "Oh, and the music here, or the camera angle there, and blah blah." And I was like, "Oh, I didn't even notice." Like I'm really passive when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. I I don't really. Well, you're I'm not writer. aware of it. Writing is your yeah. So writing is all about communication and through dialogue mainly. Mm. Um, but you know through narrative and the characters yes. because you don't have much more than that at that stage. You can start to paint a picture, but ultimately that can be interpreted any way. But the mm. words are the words. Yeah. And that's the best way into a character is how what they say and how they act. Yeah. So that makes sense the character is so important to you. It's and it's yeah, it's it's a I just need as to it should be. Yeah, empathize with something. Yep. Um And like I'm the same normally. Yeah. I, we talked about this this is why I love Parks and Rec as much as I do because I care about everybody in that show. Mm-hmm. It's it's I just like them and it helps so much. Yeah. And it's it's also confusing for me to watch this show because it's not so bad that I'm passionate about how disagreeable it is. So Mm. I can have a really strong opinion about that. Um, But I didn't, but I couldn't get in into it. So I couldn't enjoy it. And so I don't have a positive opinion either. Like I'm very neutral about this. I'm like, I can, I can see why people would like this, but I don't care about it at all. Was there any characters at all, anybody, who you cared about? Um, I love Andy and Lucy. Yep. I think they're really sweet. Um, yeah, I enjoyed Cooper from season one. Mm-hmm. And so when was, we got Cooper back. Yeah, so when he was back. But then even then he wasn't like his usual self because obviously he'd been through a lot more. And just he wasn't there for very long. He sort of yeah. uh, when he showed up, we like we never got that damn fine cup of coffee scene. Yeah, I mean, which he I think was is what everyone wanted. FBI agent had at to that be. point. He, he had, had to be. Yeah. He, he had two episodes to get from there to Twin Peaks and get stuff done. And the mm-hmm. last episode's a a write off in terms of him actually being Cooper. Yeah, towards the end, I mean, I was happy that Janie and uh, Sunny Jim got 
another version of Dougie back. Mm -hmm. I thought that was sweet. Um, But beyond that, no, not really. And even then it's like surface level stuff and just like a tiny moment here or there that I can can kind of like glum on to. But yeah, Mm. no, not really. Okay. Yeah. Should we talk about the ending? Which you just watched. Yeah, I did just watch that. Yeah, sure. Let's talk about it. The last two episodes in particular. Mm. Second last episode really is the ending to this season and really all of the Mm storylines, basically, of Twin Peaks up to this point. Yeah. We get a definitive conclusion to Evil Cooper, Mm -hmm. it would seem, Mm -hmm. at least acceptable enough for now, to Bob. We get resolution on Cooper and where he's been. He returns. Mm-hmm. We go back to Twin Peaks. We get everybody together Everyone's for a moment. reunited, yep. And then... Lucy go- figures out about cellular phones, which is a Finally. big moment. Yep. Thank goodness. <laughs> I did not want that cliffhanger. Yep, go on. And then we don't get Audrey's any sort of conclusion on her. No. That's completely left hanging. Um, are there any other major cliffhangers actually or questions left behind beyond that? I think Audrey the bit is the big one for me. Most other ones are not significant enough that I care or really were wrapped up in yeah, some Yeah, the other ones were just like side semi yeah. 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 Or they which were never I don't think were ever promised in anyone more just like here's a little update on where these yeah. people are. Which I this thought is, they were This is promised, how they ended up. No, I'm, I'm now realizing that I was just watching it wrong apparently. Oh, the, you, your desire to want it though is what he plays on. Like, yeah. This desire to have conclusions. Yeah. There's a reason like everything ends on a cliffhanger always. Everything ends with a question mark. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. he See, I, like, doesn't want you to have conclusions. from a place bizarrely that um, a story is started so that you can finish it. Sure, absolutely. Um, and now I'm realising that is not um, how I should have gone into Twin Peaks at all. Yeah. Stories start, but they don't have to go anywhere or do anything or end anywhere. Well, most of the stories here did end and then it kind of starts a new one. Like, I was... I'm talking about like the side stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. They were... I mean, if he tried to actually continue and finish the storylines that were set up for all the characters in the original Twin Peaks, it would have taken up the entire show. But rather than do that, I think he was more like, well, their stories have happened and 25 years have passed, so they're very different people, some of these people. Mm. Like, Bobby's a great ex- example. Bobby was a shithead in the original series, yeah. and now he's a cop yeah, and he's, he's, an kind of, he's kind of great. Mm. He's kind of a really cool guy. And you don't know what happened in between there, but you just infer that he got his life together somehow. Mm. And probably more through- like Shelly and like she's Shelley. dating that drug dude. And yeah. then we've got her daughter dating the druggie as well. Yep. Yep. And- so they're all more comments ultimately. It's like, let's re- I'm going to give you a sneak peek of where these people are. And it's going to say a little bit about who these people have become, but it, there's no... I'm not going to give you a conclusion. There's not going to be any wrap-up to these people's storylines. That wouldn't even... For a show that's as absurd and non-real as it is anyway, mm. that would be even more unrealistic is to suggest that all these people will have their lives solved and some conclusion to them 25 years later all at the same time. No, I'm not saying a conclusion to their lives, but certainly some sort of resolution with um, the particular struggle that we are seeing in that moment. Well... W- and then we have let's like go with Shelley the, for a second. the uncle who's on drugs and looking at stuff through binoculars and just there's just like little moments like that. I'm like, wait, what? What? Who? What? Why? Mm, okay. Let's let's go with Shelley for a second. Mm-hmm. 
Shelley, you don't think that that was a comment on her. Her ultimate story is tragic one in which she will always, it seems, mm. end up falling for bad men. Right. Like, she was with that abusive asshole to begin with. That's right. She was with Bo- Bobby, who was a little bit better, but not great. Mm. She ultimately ended up with him and had a kid, but still falls into that trap. And not only does she, that is unfortunately a tragedy that's been passed down to her daughter. daughter. Yeah. So that's kind of is saying something. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the stuff about the, the Horn brothers, yeah, that's... That's an interesting one too. I don't know a lot. I never much liked that character, the one who's the druggie out in the woods with the binoculars anyway. I, didn't I mean, do I liked when he me. came in and they ate sandwiches. That was funny in the first that season. In the first season. That was one of those things I was like, I don't think this shows for me. Um, <laughs> the Ben, on the other hand, um, they kind of, what was interesting with him is they were trying to show him resisting temptation, which he'd been a bit of a shittier person, I think, in the original series. He'd been sleeping around and stuff as well. And in this season... Who the fuck's Ben? Who are you talking about? Ben's the one who's like... He's the brother of... So, the two... Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. Because he used to cheat on Audrey's mum or whatever. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. And this, he's like... So many opportunities come up where... What's that? What's the name of that actress? Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd is like... Hello. Trying to make it happen. And, and he's she's like, got that husband at home who's dying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, you pull that thread, it just keeps going. Sure. Again, I think you'll look at it as just like this is a little just like this is the story they're living currently. Well, this is where I, they're what, at now. That's what they've I'm changed saying. somewhat, but yet they haven't. Well, he, that, he eventually, I think it offers. He gets so frustrated with his wife at one stage. He's like, go talks back to Ashley Judd's like, hey, do you want to go out for dinner? Sort of thing. I think there's a scene like that. Mm. And it's like he finally is able to. He gets to that tipping point where he goes back to his old ways, and that's the tragedy of Ben. Mm. He had his redemption, but he didn't last. Yeah, that was that storyline. Meanwhile, the other but like, why do on, we need to see function- Ashley Judd's like home life flavor? That's that that <laughs> that that is you. Uh, we don't, we don't. Uh, but Lynch wanted you to say it. Yeah, Lynch wanted you to know who she was. Well, that's, she is that's, more that's than she was I'm, a little bit hold on, more. Hold on, sure. that's what I'm saying. Sure. Is that I understand like. That that's what he's doing now. Sure, sure, but sure. my expectation is Absolutely. that if I'm shown something, it means something. That's yep. what I'm saying to you. I'm not critiquing what he's doing. No. I'm just saying I went in with that expectation and I'm now realizing that expectation was wrong. Well, no, I don't think the expectation is wrong. I think the It is when you're considering Lynch. I think I think it is. I e- think to go in with normal narrative expectations is probably misguided. I guess that's it. I, it's the way I would put it is that expectation is correct. He is not disregarding this expectation. He's, in fact, regarding the expectation and saying, but I'm going to play with that. Mm. But th- I'm going to use that against you. And that will put most yeah, people off. Saying. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so once you can sort of appreciate what what he's doing there in your terms of what you expect is going to happen mm. and do the something you will never expect mm-hmm. or couldn't expect because you think you know how this stuff's meant to work, that's... I finally, for the first time ever, mm. appreciate that's what he's doing and enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, I mean, I it's, never, I never, ex- yeah, I didn't expect his story to go where I thought it was going. I just always thought that there was a somehow a deeper meaning in everything because he is spouted as being so intellectual. 
And so I think the fear Ooh, of that. Oh, that's interesting. But the, so the fear of mine is always like not getting it. So I'm trying so hard to get it in every scene that I'm just not really enjoying the moment. That's interesting. I don't know. I think it's a very uh, problematic word to say that a Lynch is an intellectual. I think Lynch is enjoyed by intellectuals. That's Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's considered intellectual. Um, his work, I would say, is intellectual. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, no, I think it's different. Yeah, I'm saying like him focusing the ma- on semantics him, of my No, sentences. I am. Him, him, Lynch the man and Lynch the and Lynch's work are different things. I think. Well, of, yes, yes. I just I, I'm not saying he's a dumbass or anything like that, or he's not doing things intentionally. But I don't necessarily think there's always intellect to it so much as he knows how to convey enough meaning to make you draw your own conclusions or to give you a rich enough canvas or uh, painting that you can draw your own conclusions from it. Mm. He knows he knows that using these colours will eff- uh, get a certain effect out of you and from that you can figure out the rest for yourself sort of thing. And he means to not give you me- direct meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, whether that makes him an intellectual or not suggests that there's any inherent meaning to everything he does. There, I don't think there always is. So you've completely misunderstood what I've just said. Okay. <laughs> Which is I have gone in with it knowing that people see his work as being highly intellectual. Sure. So then I go in to that thinking that there is so much there that I need to get. Right. And there is a fear for me not to get it. So in every scene that comes up, I'm like, what's happening here? Okay, what's this? What's that? What's that? And I'm not present with it. I'm always trying to figure it out when sometimes there isn't necessarily something to yes. figure out is what I'm cool. saying. So even he's playing your expectations on your expectations of Lynch. So he's gone, gone beyond the narrative expectations of what a TV show should do to say... Well, I don't know if he's consciously doing that. Okay. But maybe he is. Ma- sure. Maybe he's going... Maybe he's also just in- insane and just putting random stuff on screen. And Who knows? We can say anything That's right now. very possible. Yeah. And welcome to the Intellectuals Club. <laughs> Jeez. We can just infer whatever we want from him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, just going to project onto him, yeah, which you can very easily do. Absolutely. Which okay. is, I mean, I was premenstrual while I was watching this, so I was just, I'm like, this is just full of anger and rage. I fucking hate this. Anyway, Why was on. it just coloured red the entire time? <laughs> yeah, Such right. angry colours. Yeah. There uh, was a lot of murder in it, right? I wasn't just projecting yeah, there that. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. There was quite a lot of murder. Yeah. A lot of heads exploding and things like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, A lot, a lot of, of blood. Ble- was there a lot of blood in the first season? The first season? No, I don't think so. Not particularly. Yeah, because this one was pretty gory. Again, they went really heavy on the big sci-fi, sci-fi like yeah. war between dimensions thing almost <laughs> happening here versus whether or not the lumber mill is owned by the right person. Fuck that first season. <laughs> um, the other ending is the last episode, episode eighteen, part eighteen, which feels like a preface for something to come. It does feel like it's it's certainly the start of a new idea, yeah. which I've stolen that from uh, a guy, uh, a writer I like, film critic Hulk. Do you know his work? He's is he on Twitter? Yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, he wrote a great piece today, just discussing his reaction to this season of Twin Peaks and particularly mm. towards the ending, which was which was awesome. Um, really appreciate that. Check out Film Critic Hulk on Twitter. And I think he was running for Variety or Vanity Fair. One or the other. I cannot remember. Um, and yeah, he was talking about this idea. It was There was a word for it that I can't remember now, but that this was like, as we got some conclusions, which was, was great mm-hmm. and not necessarily promised, 
Um, he, of course, Lynch can't leave without starting a new thought. <laughs> yeah. And whether that will ever get that if we get a season four or another movie or something like that, mm. who knows? But he started this new thought, which is the only way this is ever going to end. What did you think about this new thought, this new idea, this bold new direction he was going that seems... Do we think they're in another timeline? Is that what's happening? I think another dimension? There are so many different ways of interpreting okay. that. One would be that... One of the simplest, most Lynchian, obvious Lynchian things here would be mm. that everything that's come before has been a dream mm. and that he has woken up for this dream and he is either a mad person or is continuing whatever he was doing before the dream. The dream was like his way of processing something he was trying to solve as an FBI agent beforehand. So his name was never Cooper. It was always Richard. Uh, Diane was never Diane. She was Linda or may not have mm. never even been... Um, there at all, the question becomes if he woke up, what point was he waking up? I would suggest it was him in the bed when he walks out of that different hotel and into, gets into his car. Mm. That would be the first real step into the non-dream world. And because that whole thing that Gordon was talking about, the Monica Belushi dream, mm. you know, what was the I quote again? Yeah, that was great. I the, Something about uh, dream. dream, oh, dream. oh, yeah, sorry. I'll grab it. Hold on. Thank you. But that that quote would very easily overlay, and even things like yes, it's we are the dreamers who dream and then live inside the dream. And, but who is the dreamer? But who is the dreamer, right? Mm. And so the idea would be here that Cooper or Richard was the mm. dreamer, and they were all living through that dream. Now that and that would fit with Mulholland Drive as well, which is a dream for the most of that film until it's not a dream. Towards the second half, when everyone just changes names at the end. Like, yeah, and it's just like an explosion of everything you thought. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And so he's done that trick before. So it's easy to just go, oh, he's doing that again. And that would be an answer. And mm-hmm. maybe it is an answer. Or is maybe it is the answer. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that the stuff that had come before had its conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, I am down for a new story, totally. If they just want to, like, reset, beep, beep, and then... Um, yeah, so we don't have. I mean, we do still have the double ganger stuff and all that jazz. But I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the next chapter. I think because so much of what was happening in season three, oh, it was like, like there was always all these references to season one and two, yeah. and I hadn't seen two, so there was a lot of things that I just wasn't getting. Sure. Um. So and Firewalk in me in particular, there's lots. From yeah, Firewalk I haven't seen that, so I was just like, wait, what? What's going on? Um. So if they want to maybe do like a reset, yeah, that'd be cool. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, yeah, it would be cutting ties with the old stuff and trying to tread a new path wouldn't be a bad idea. The idea that it's a dream that he's woken up from would also maybe explain who the Coopers are and maybe they're different parts of his personality, mm. and that would explain why he's kind of a mix of the two once he's out in the real world as well. He's yes. sort of not quite Cooper. He's sort of an odd Cooper. My personal theory. And maybe I'm missing a detail because I haven't seen season two or Firewalk with me either. But where there are the topors or the turpers or whatever they're called, the the doppelgangers who are made from seeds, mm-hmm. right? So Diane was one and Dougie was one. Dougie, bef- the one yeah. that in like episode three before Cooper comes out and takes uh, takes his place. The fat one. The yeah. fat one, right? And they were both doppelgangers that came from seeds. So they were like manufactured. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure and I'm pretty sure it's not the case that Evil Cooper was manufactured. I think he is just a straight doppelganger Mm -hmm. of Cooper. He is like an evil version of Cooper. 
So my thought is, based off the little bit of evidence that we have, is that the dem- when him and Diane, so they're in the car and they're talking about they went 430 miles and they go through and it goes from day to Tonight, night, yeah. right? And one of the things that you see is as they're approaching this sort of threshold point, they're sort of fairly relaxed and themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And they've been having a conversation that he very much seems like Cooper and she very much seems like Diane and they very much seem like they still like like are connected to each other as it romantically. And then as they start going through, they go rigid, like really like still like they are when they're in the lodge and stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? And then once they go through the darkness, they're still rigid. They're still like standing to attention almost. And that continues up until the point, I think personally, I've only watched it twice, where he gets out of the car to go get a room at the motel. Mm-hmm. Diane's in the car and sees a doppelganger of herself. Yeah. And the doppelganger of herself seems a little more casual than she is. Then we cut to Cooper coming out of the motel and there's just the Diane in the car and the doppelganger's gone. Then they go into the room. Cooper, for me, is still being very rigid. Mm-hmm. And Diane, all of a sudden, is being that comes out of the car is being a little more casual and stuff. She, she turns on the light. She's doing playing with her, like doing things with her lip and stuff like that, and yeah. things that are a bit more casual. So my theory is that she got replaced by... The a, real the, Diane. The, well, the Diane the we Diane know. Of that dimension. No, no, no. The Diane we knew was the one... So it was the rigid one. Uh, well, okay. So my theory is, again, mm-hmm. total theory, total bollocks, completely please come through and tell me how I'm wrong about this. My theory is that... So in... In the show, up until that that point, before this last episode, Evil Cooper is like almost like cat, like not catatonic is the word, but he's like he's got no he's expression, dead eyes, yeah. no exp- He's got the black eyes, but he's also no expression. I mean, he- like dead eyes, like he's like mm. yeah, exactly. Mm. He's just this totally rigid being, right? Mm. So, but Diane was normal, and Cooper was normal for what mm-hmm. Cooper was. And once they transition, they become sort of like that. They become rigid. Mm. So my theory is that once you transition from one universe to the other, if you're in the wrong universe or the wrong dimension, mm. because you don't belong, you sort of are, you don't express yourself correctly. You're sort of yeah, like right. a a more, less expressive version of yourself. There's mm-hmm. something that's, that's imposing itself on you because you don't belong. Mm. So once Ooh, they transition... Okay. A, what happens is the Diane the, the the Diane of that universe replaces herself. They like they replace she they switch somehow. Mm-hmm. So when she's having sex with Coop on the bed and she's like blocking him out, it's because she's doing it because she has to because she has to convince him that she's the real Diane, not because she wants to. And that whole bit at the end about Richard and Linda is um, maybe that's their actual names and like. Evil Cooper's name was Richard, and Evil Cooper came from there. That was Evil Cooper's dimension. And if Evil Cooper was in that dimension, is he that why would... I called his son Richard? Maybe, yeah, maybe that's why he's called Richard. Exactly. But then isn't right. Richard also dating Linda Shelley's daughter? Is that their daughter's name? I uh, don't know. I don't think so. Okay. I could be wrong about that, though. Worth finding out later. Okay. Um. Yeah. So. I I wonder if Evil Cooper was in that dimension, would he be more himself and less rigid? Would he still be Mm. bad, but would he be more natural in his ability? Because he comes from there. Mm. So basically, I'm suggesting that that dimension they cross into is Evil Cooper's dimension, where he originates from. Right. And Laura Palmer was sent there as a way of protecting her from her unavoidable death in 
the real in Cooper's good Cooper's dimension, mm-hmm. but now she's lost over there. Right. Okay. And he's trying to get her back. Oh, I see. Yeah. And just with like, yeah, the being the rigid in the dimension that you don't belong. I like that because obviously Cooper was in the lodge for so long that when he comes back as Dougie, he has to like, he's forgotten. Like it's he, learned he behavior. Just, he sort of comes behavior. back wrong. Yeah. He yeah. just sort of comes back not right. He's been there for so long. Exactly. He needs yeah. like that. But he is he capable of being normal. He's just like learned the wrong behavior yeah. in like the wrong dimension for so long. Um, the other the other theory, ba- of course, with the Diane thing is mm. that they haven't sort of consummated their romance since while they were she was very happy to see real Cooper once she was sort of released. Um, the real Diane came back. Mm-hmm. He She was raped by Cooper and just his face reminds her of that and she can't handle being around him anymore. Mm. Um, or that maybe, yeah, when, yeah, I, there's, I mean, there's a million and one different explanations for this. Yeah, with her like pained expression when they were having sex and she was covering his face. His face. I was worried that she looking away from him. I was worried that she could sense that there was something wrong with him. That's possible too. That he Mm. is like somehow crossing over. He's like melded both versions of Cooper together. Mm. Don't know. Um, And I don't know why he's confused about where he is. If he, I think he knows he's crossed over into a different dimension. So why is he surprised that Sarah Palmer isn't there? Or was that something that was meant to be reliable? Um. That ending bit. What happens at the end? Is Laura finally... Rec- did, you, did you hear the Laura in the background just before Laura screams at the end? No, I didn't. There is a voice that sounds a lot like Sarah Palmer calling for Laura oh. um, right before she screams at the very end and the thing mm. blacks out and stuff. I mean, it's left to be confusing and like make you go, what the fuck was that? Yeah. I mean, we still need to know what's going on with their mum. Oh, I know. That's... Uh, apart from Audrey, mm. my... Biggest questions are, what the fuck is going on with Sarah Palmer? Like, mm. she's possessed with something. What is it? Yeah. What's going on what there? What the fuck was in her kitchen? What the fuck was in her kitchen? What's the... the she took her face off and mm. ate a person. Or ate, like took a bite of a person's face or whatever it yeah. was. That was fucked. Or slit the throat or whatever it was. I can't remember. Like, that was crazy. She's obviously disturbed about something. Mm-hmm. There's the theories that... So, in episode eight, we have the big atomic bomb going off. That was the genesis for Bob, right? Bob was created from the evil of like nuclear testing, right? Mm-hmm. And then the fireman, the tall guy, mm-hmm. sees that this evil has been created, creates Laura Palmer, and then in that glowing yellow orb, sends okay. her out into the world, which then the best theory on that I've heard is that, that she becomes the egg which hatches into the locust thing and that the woman that it crawls into is Sarah Palmer. A young oh, Sarah Palmer, and okay. that like so, it had to be like ingesting her, and then she gave birth to Laura, who's meant to basically be a po- force for good, maybe. Right, okay, but we don't know. Mm-hmm. We still don't properly know what Judy is. Is Judy just the other dimension? Is Judy specifically that diner? Is Judy? Is Judy? Uh, this is film critic Hulk's um, idea, which I we thought was interesting. Mm. Judy. Might or actually might be Johnny Robertson might just be the idea, the evil of endings and conclusions, and like it's a meta commentary on don't expect that stuff because it's not always good. Mm. Maybe it's better left on a d- dangling because you'll never be disappointed by an ending, and because hoping to find yeah. what duty is. You're actually looking to that's an ultimate evil, and you shouldn't expect an ending, sort of thing. I don't know. I could go for ages about that, and I found it really <laughs> intriguing, the entire thing. Right. Okay. You've really done some deep diving. I have. I have. I have. 
Did any of that make sense? Yeah. I just like complete word vomit for the last 15 minutes. I'm sorry, listeners. Hope you enjoyed that. I think they're used to it by now. It's fine. <sighs> true, true. All right. We're an hour and a half in. We should start wrapping this up. So mm-hmm. let's just get to quickfire comments. All righty. Do you have any quickfire comments, Damask? I do have some Ooh, quickfire excellent. comments. Not many, but I've got a few. Would you like to go first? Sure. Go for it. All right. Okay. Quickfire comments. Start the clock. I am the FBI. That is a great moment. That was brilliant. <laughs> and I'm very sad that I was spoiled on that. I found Aww. out slightly ahead of time because I couldn't watch it immediately that that was the episode that Cooper came back because I saw a gif of that. I am the FBI. I was like, fuck. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame because that would have been nice. Uh, I love the Monica Bellucci dream sequence. I thought it was great. I agree. That was fantastic. Yeah. It's the chick from Mulholland Drive. She's so beautiful still. Which one? Uh, she's one of the singers at the end. Oh, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. The chick who sings Crying in Mulholland Drive. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, Iron Fist makes an appearance, which is good. Oh, yeah. You mean uh, <laughs> Freddy, is it? Yeah. Yeah, you it? mean better Iron Fist. <laughs> He's way better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the gangsters yelling about Candy taking four fucking hours while watching her on the CCTV was pretty much me in the first eight episodes. Because they're like, what are you, why is she taking so long? That would, yeah. Why does she keep talking? But don't, you, like, that's, like, Lynch understands this, right? He understands <laughs> yeah, the sure frustration. Yeah, I'm sure he does. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, fuck it up. Um, yeah, all right. So, I'm sorry, ma'am, you can't smoke here. It's a fucking morgue! Fantastic line from Diane. I love her fuckings and her yelling. Fuck you, Gordon. <laughs> so good. Uh, super long driving scene that feels like Birdemic. That was a lot of them. I was going to say, that's, that's plenty of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, driving driving is the one thing we can do a little bit less of. Yeah. The more... I don't need to see any more highways. No. You know what I mean? Just stretching yeah. out to the distance. For those who haven't seen Birdemic, it's notorious for having scenes where we see the actual time it takes to drive <laughs> to one place to the next. The opening the opening titles is the best one. Oh, Just so good. Oh. Just on and on and on. Check it out. It's on YouTube. It's fantastic. Uh, every time she appears on screen, I can't help but go, ooh, Ashley Judd. I've got a bit of a crush on her. You probably can tell. Uh, Kate, oh, yeah, I mentioned this. Came out to join you, Diane, while Albert's indisposed. Everyone says each other. Very funny. I love that scene. Uh, oh, I love Naomi Watts' face. It has movement. Oh, is this... Uh, it's, change? It's, no, it's so rare to see a oh, woman you just of like her that she's age. She's actually letting herself age a little that bit, and she has a face, a I, real face, I, and it's beautiful. I love it. What did you think about the uh, revelation that she was uh, Diane's sister? Funny. Well, what was interesting there? It makes sense how Dougie came to be with her, though. So after raping Diane and taking her to the thing, he created Diane doppelganger, and then from probably got her to create a Dougie doppelganger. Uh, well, a, a doppelganger of himself who became Dougie, who was there basically to be a trap so that when he was being meant to go back to the lodge, he wasn't, is the idea there. Does that make sense? So, so through Diane... Evil, evil Cooper created uh, Diane, alternative Diane, yep. AD, um, to introduce Dougie to... Janie? Maybe. It suggested that she doesn't has never ever met Dougie, but I would suggest that somehow through Diane, he has gone, well, I need to put Dougie somewhere. I can oh, leave I her see. with Janie E. Yeah. Um, and that's... he's So, Dougie was there specifically as sort of a fail-safe so yeah. he wouldn't get pulled back to the lodge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And I just have one other quickfire comment, which is 90% of this show is watching other people watch other people. Not, not inaccurate. 
<laughs> uh, end quickfire comments. Uh, I have quickfire comments. Do you have like seven pages of quickfire comments I, or did you control yourself this uh, time? I've got the right amount of quickfire comments. Oh, the right amount. Yeah. Okay, that's Pick good. Okay, you got your buzzer? I surely do. Excellent. Start quickfire comments. This is so hard to talk about beyond, oh, Lynch, and quickfire comments. You're such a fucking wanker. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. The, the real reason is I wasn't, uh, I didn't really make notes and I didn't feel right. compelled to make notes as I went along. Like there wasn't, okay. it wasn't one of those things where I felt like, like it just seems absurd to comment on absurd dialogue. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. it wasn't like watching, um, watching Daredevil and commenting on Karen's ridiculous Newspaper article about yeah, or what it means to be a New Yorker or whatever stupid thing was, because (laughs) that was absurd when it was trying to be sincere. Mm. Whereas this is absurd, and it knows it's absurd. Yeah, and so like I go to like, oh, that was no, yeah, of course it was. That was the entire point, and like, Mm. and so I I just didn't feel compelled to write a lot of notes. Um, it's just come out in this conversation mainly. I didn't have a, I don't know. However. Oh. Instead, I yeah. want to quickly talk through some favorite moments. So you are fanboying so hard over this. All right. <laughs> well, we've talked about a few of these already. Okay. Uh, I really like Michael Sarah's cameo, which uh, we've already talked amazing, about. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, the Monica Bellucci dream we've talked about as well. Mm-hmm. Coop waking up. We've talked about. Mm-hmm. I am the FBI. Very good. Uh, the evil Cooper arm wrestle, where right, he, yeah. I I thought that was just a. But weirdly, he was quite menacing for something so silly. And I like this whole, like, this is really uncomfortable my arm's here. Mm. But it's much more comfortable when it's here. Mm. Let's do that again. It just goes on for way too long, but it's really funny. And just to everyone, like, the whole concept that, like, if you beat this guy in an arm wrestle, you'll be our boss <laughs> and you can tell us who to now. kill. Theon Greyjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Except that was absurd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dougie, when he first arrives, uh, arrives at the Silver Mustang and he's on the slots... Mm. Hello, every I just all oh, right. Just yeah, that really <laughs> enjoyable. Sorry if I just peeked the uh, microphone. Then uh, I just thought that was just. I was like, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna enjoy this show. I think mm. I can enjoy this show at this point. Um, the when <laughs> Dougie and Janie are having sex for the first time since mm. it's been Dougie, and he's just got his arms out to the side <laughs> and he's just his face is just so excited <laughs> oh Dougie I did write my oh, comments Dougie. I'm like yeah Dougie get it because <laughs> he's yeah anyway the what did you think of Carl McLaughlin like Carl McLaughlin plays like three or four mm. different characters he did in a this. great job he's fantastic the Dougie stuff is so god that must have been fun to play <laughs> it's like a simple child dope yeah just, oh just hilarious just the way he has like two hands in his coffee cup and he'd like like hot, piping hot coffee, mm. just like skull it. Um, any scene with the Mitchin brothers? We've already talked about how much I enjoyed that. Um, even towards the end, they're still making lines like, oh, that's one for the grandkids or took mm. the words right out of my fucking mouth. Um, Andy being sucked into the Black Lodge. I loved that bit. Oh, whichever yeah. lodge it I was, was really worried about Andy. The fireman. I was like, yeah. Andy, no. It seemed mm. like, like the wrong character, but that's what made it interesting. Yeah. Like, Andy's never going to get involved in that stuff. Yeah, and so I thought when he, he was, like he was and like, Lucy were safe because they were children. Yeah, but, yeah. And so he got pulled in. I was just like, oh wow. And mm-hmm. then he just comes back like he's on a mission. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought that was. I don't know. Just I love Andy. Didn't see it coming Props at to all. Whoever did his hair because it's fabulous. Um, that whole just episode eight in general. Mm. Just that was a turning point for me. I was like, okay, I like because at that point it'd been like a whole bunch of like the first seven just like choppy, changey 
stuff like that it never really connected but while eight was similar to that but what i was watching was so visually appealing yeah that i was like oh i can watch something like this even if it is kind of like weird disconnected but it's changing rapidly and it's in, like the changes are engaging in mm. and of themselves and the visuals are beautiful yeah no i really like it's it. really eight. really bold and mm-hmm. like it is like classic put like f- this is packaged lynch right here mm-hmm. this is as lynch as you can get basically at this point um but it like bold bold original different television it was very very cool um, and it's, the Got a Light bit in particular was just so creepy. Audrey's Dance, which we've talked about. Um, oh, a little moment I loved. I love Sheriff Truman when he has that Skype call and the screen rises from yeah, there. Yeah, I was like, that what was the fuck is that? so funny. <laughs> like, the Sheriff Department just has this like, yeah. super high-tech, like, Agent 99, uh, Agent yeah. uh, whatever it was, Get Smart. Skype thing coming out of, uh, out of 99 search. was his partner. I know, yeah. Because yeah. so I, I couldn't remember what his was. 64? So I can't remember. Uh, Diane, just Diane's fuck you Gordon stuff was really fun. Mm-hmm. Gordon's, when he has that lady friend and Albert comes over um, to talk to him mm. and he has to get her to leave and that's just really yeah. long, <laughs> it's one extended, of those, like, yeah, ridiculous. Silent moments. It's, it's always going to be funny. Yeah. Uh, occasionally, occasionally Gordon just be just tree tree chic or something like that he'll say during it it's just so ridiculous and yeah. it's a little pervy and and let's be honest lynch is a little pervy he yeah, loves his of course but he also acknowledges that i feel that was the scene that mm. i think acknowledged that which yeah. was good where albert's just like you're fucking ridiculous yeah but even when like we see the female agent in one of the first episodes i think she's and she's like away. walking away and they're clearly just being pervy yes like and it's acknowledgement of that that yeah. yes yeah, she's she's the eye candy this is what she is, yeah. Um, Sarah Palmer moving her face, which was just... I just love that actress. Yeah, she she's is incredible. so creepy and awesome. Mm. Um, I loved her watching the, like, Animal Planet stuff. Yeah. And you saw the f- reflections in the mirror behind yeah. her. That was an amazing shot and terrifying. How about the one where she's watching the same bit of boxing on repeat? Mm. Just... Maniacal. So unnerving. Yeah. So broken and twisted. And you just, I wouldn't, I just, I could never think of that. And it's just so effective. Instantly, you just like, you get turned off. Everything feels wrong about mm-hmm. this and you feel it in you. So good. <laughs> um, Ed and Norma, Norma? Norma. Norma, yeah. Norma getting together I th- was surprisingly sweet and effective, I thought, actually. Yeah. I mean, that's I'm 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 happy for them. An- Why not? Another moment that sort of blew my mind at the time, I was just like, what is happening here? Was when we had a flashback to what I found out later was from Firewalk with me with David Bowie in it. And it's mm. just like it was it was part of the Monica Belushi dream sequence. And it's like all of a sudden you've got young Coop and young Gordon. And David Bowie walks in and he's just like, what the fuck is happening right now? And I was starting to like, did they film stuff that he didn't use and they're putting it into this show? And like, mm. wouldn't that be amazing? And I was just, but it was just cool what, to see David Bowie. Was it just from Firewalk? It, it was from Firewalk with me. Okay. Yeah. They hadn't added anything to okay. it. There is an extended, because it's a scene from that. And I've seen the extended version of that since. Right. Um, but it was just cool to, because David Bowie's character was reduced to a giant tea kettle in <laughs> this uh, season. Because mm-hmm. obviously he wasn't available Unfortunately. R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, R.I.P. to a lot of people. A lot of the log lady. Albert. 
Albert as well. Yeah. yeah, but the log lady like legitimately died like soon after dying. filming. She yeah, was yeah. dying when she's doing her whole "I'm dying" hawk. I was bit. like, oh my god, this yeah. is a little too real. Mm-hmm. Uh. Lucy shooting Evil Cooper was great. That was great. I understand cell phones now. <laughs> uh, Cooper changing history at the end and basically the entire last episode. That was. Do you have any other favourite moments off the top of your head that you can think of? No. Or list down? Okay. It's all one blob of whatever. All right. We're going to speed this up because we need to get done. <laughs> this is going to be two hours. Oh, my God. How'd this happen? Favourite and least favourite episodes. I'll go first. Yeah, my favourite episode is part 16 where Cooper finally returns. Um, the, we have the Diane revelation where she talks about uh, where she remembers what happened to her. And we find out that she was a doppelganger. Mm-hmm. The amazing scene outside Dougie's house with the two uh, evil Cooper goons, the assassins and the accountant. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Fuck, that was so funny. And just there was just so much momentum, so much momentum into the finale. I was really impressed and was like, oh, my God, stuff is happening. And it felt... I know it felt like payoff. That was cool. I, it actually filled me with hope that we were going to get somewhere. But we did. And yeah, then we it did. went a little bit further. Yeah, yeah. No, like, I, I'm not saying that hope wasn't, oh, like, good. realized or satisfied. It was, yeah. Um, What about you? Favorite episode? Uh, my favorite episode is episode four um, because I laughed a lot. It had David Duchovny as Denise. Yes. Um, It had, oh, so there's these terrible photoshopped pictures on Lucy's desk of her family. It's fucking hilarious. Um, check them out if you can uh, watch that episode again. Uh, Lucy faints when the sheriff comes in. How is this possible? Because she doesn't. She's confused by cell phones. Yeah. Um, I love Andy's hair. I think that must have been the first time I saw his hair. I guess. Uh, when Robbie is crying, the sheriff's face is priceless, and Wally Brando. Yeah. Is in that oh, episode. Oh, Wally Renner's episode four, yeah. Episode four, which is my favourite scene in the entire thing. It is incredible. Um, it's so good. Yeah, and in that episode, I got the sense that the Dougie stuff, it, that's when it like it felt like one of those like 80s films to me, like Fish Out of Water stuff. So I was like, gotcha. I, I can deal with this. And Cooper reunites with Coffee, which is just yeah beautiful. So episode four, just because I laughed a lot. Yeah, I was like, cool. okay, this, this is going to be fun. I'm with you on that, actually. Episode yeah. four was really good for that sort of stuff. It's, what about you? What's your favorite? Oh, you, sorry. I've raised my favorite. The, oh. um, I wasn't Arnold was on my lap. Sorry. sorry. Arnold is our cat, by the way. Or my cat, <laughs> by the way. Um, there was something else about that, what you were just saying there. I guess the... I just think it's... I just keep thinking about what people's expectations were for this season. And mm. then they get Dougie for like 12 episodes. Yeah. And I must just like... <laughs> like what dip, is this? Never saw that coming. Mm. Never saw that coming. I want to give an honorable mention to episode eight as well for the things reasons we talked yes. about. Just thought mm-hmm. part eight was... Totally unique and incredible. I wrote, yeah, my, my, my note here for part eight was head explodes. Um, least favorite episode. Oh, do you want to go first again? Mine was part three, I guess. It was when I was sort of wondering if I was going to probably go on the show or not. Because you said part mm. four is where it started to kind of happen. Part eight really made me get stuck into the show. So part three was where Cooper's sort of coming out of the lodge and he goes through that weird thing. He sees the what we find out later is that Diane. And then there's the other woman. He has to go on top of that like battery thing. And like you see Major Briggs's head go past. Oh, that's and right. Yeah. It's yeah. real. And it's like it kept doing that thing where it was like 
Like it was someone was like playing with this, whether you're going forward or backwards. Like it was like jumping back and forth. And I didn't find that cool. I found that irritating. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, if this is going to be a, this is a bit too lynch for me, this part. Yeah. And I, I wasn't enjoying it. But then, but then he comes out and he goes to the sort of Mustang. And actually, a lot of stuff that's good happens in the episode later. I had a hard time finding it that episode. That was <laughs> the best one. I'm going to go with episode five. Um, Mostly because my notes are just written by a crazy person. I'm clearly <laughs> very frustrated at that point. I think because I got I had the first three episodes, which were just like a shit show. I had no idea what the fuck was happening. Then I had episode four where at least I like found some humor. I was like, okay, this is a bit lighthearted, whatever. And I don't even know what happened in episode five. But clearly I was just like, oh, no, it is still just going right, to be this gotcha. craziness. Can you can you give us some of the previews of your notes there? I want to know what you're sort of Just a lot saying. of capitals. Um <laughs> I'm just like... Just frustration? Well, it's just like this... It's like, Stephen is the brother from Get Out. Cool, but I don't give a fuck about him. Um, oh, yeah. I forgot that was him. Because uh, he was good in that. But you're right. That Steve, The Stephen stuff is... Bleh. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is where I said like 9% of the show is watching other people watch other people. Because I think like Norma was just staring at someone for a million years. Yeah. Um, there are, And this is in capitals. There are so many characters and they add more every episode. Fuck. Um... And then the end, which is like, like Game of Thrones in the roadhouse when the guy like grabs the girl and he's like, oh, it was, wasn't Richard. He's like, I'm going to laugh when I fuck you, bitch. I was like, what? Yeah. I'm yeah. Like, Ugh. Um, so yeah, I just, just no. Nah. Yeah. Richard was a real piece of work. I suppose if you are the son of an evil doppelganger, that's yeah, what you're going to get. That's what happens. Uh, final score and ranking. I want you to go first on this one, please. What score do you give it out of five stars? Um, I'm going to give it a two and a half. Oh, that's the most neutral score you could possibly give yeah. it. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not that, like I said earlier, it's not bad. It's just not for me and I can't, I couldn't connect to it. Have you got any enjoyment out of talking about it? Like, have you enjoyed this conversation, talking about it, reflecting on some bits of it? I'm really, yeah, I think there's, I think you've said some really interesting things that like, if we get a season four, I will approach it that way. Okay. Well, I think like I wish I had heard that stuff earlier. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and no, I'm. I, I I was just I'm just feeling a lot of fatigue, and so mm-hmm. I was just like. That's fair. Yeah. So two and a half. It's it's not bad, but it's not for me. Um, but I'm not closing my mind off to it in the future. Cool. Mm-hmm. What's your score? Five. No. Okay. It's five and a half. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, four and a half stars mm-hmm. because I really, really am surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Uh, it's going to stick with me. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. feeling really passionately, obviously, like positive about it yeah. in a big way. And it's making me want to explore more of Lynch. It's making me want me to go back and watch all of Twin Peaks through, including Firewalk with me. It's making me reassess my initial feelings on the original series. I still think some of them are valid and probably just a product of a difference in time more than anything. Mm. Just 25 years difference going on there. Um, I don't think it's perfect. I think there's still plenty of times where I was frustrated mm-hmm. by how slow things were moving or that nothing was happening or whatever or just going, what the fuck is going on here? Or And I even I think it's worth just saying that something... It's problematic that this needed... I de- essentially needed someone to walk me through it. Like, I, if I didn't have the podcast or I didn't have... Steph, mm. I was not going to enjoy this show. Mm. That I needed someone to hold my hand for me to enjoy. And you shouldn't need 
the other resources to make your TV show work. But all things That's considered, yeah. so I I, I want to dock at that half star because it isn't perfect, mm-hmm. but it's bloody bold and f- for the most part extremely successful. It was very successful on me, and so I'll give it four and a half stars. Cool, out of five. All right. Cool. Will we keep watching if there is a season four? I think you sort of answered this. You think yeah. you'd be interested in week to week applying. if I was watching it with other people, maybe. I'd at least give it a try, you know? Like, I wouldn't be like, no. Week to week. Yeah. If there's a season four, mm. we'll do it week to week mm-hmm. and we'll do it together. Okay. And we'll find some supporting right, material to go if, with it. Uh, yeah, okay. What if I just still hate it, though? If you still hate it, then we'll be- make for an interesting discussion about what we. Okay. Because we'll both be equally informed on that stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll both have the same sort of, yeah, back ground knowledge and that will give us an interesting discussion about okay. what why that worked for you or didn't and vice versa for me maybe i'll hate season four maybe even with all that it won't be as good mm-hmm. but it would be i th- would like you to try and do it the way i did it okay i definitely am oh man if i find out because we were talking about this before the podcast it wasn't doing very well ratings wise mm. um while it Got a lot of attention early on. It started getting overshadowed by Game of Thrones, and people just sort of fell off the bandwagon because it's not going to re- like the original series was never going to retain that viewership because it's not for everybody. Mm. So I think it would be a surprise if we get a season four, but fingers crossed. And in the meantime, I think I'm going to go back and watch at least season two and Firewalk with me, if not rewatch season one, and probably rewatch this because I'm I'm looking forward to going back and knowing some of those revelations. Mm. Go, oh right, what was I just want to go back to episode three and go, so what was happening with Diane and Cooper in that scene? Because that we found out later that that was Diane. Yeah. Like, I just want to go and reassess that scene with that knowledge now. Um, I think that's it. Oh, I actually, sorry. Did want to get, just in reference to whether it's coming back or not, there was a quote from an iNews article by Nick Mitchell. It's a interview with Sharon Fenn. Sher- mm-hmm. Sh- Sh- Is that Audrey? Yes. Sherilyn? Sherilyn Sh- Flynn. Fenn, thank you. Sherilyn Fenn. Sherilyn uh, Fenn talks Twin Peaks. Audrey is strong. Eve, she's kind of broken. Um, and he asked this question, if David Lynch wanted to do another season of Twin Peaks, would you do it? And Fenn says, oh, yeah. He said it. He said if people loved it, he would do another one. And the hardest part is just sitting down and writing it. But he had so much fun this time, he really loved it. And he got to do it the way he wanted to. It's like an 18-hour movie, so he's happy. Let's just stay positive. It really turned out the way he wanted in his heart. So That's it sounds nice. so it sounds like at least through her anecdotal evidence mm. that he is very happy with it mm-hmm. and would like to do more and it's nice to think that he's added that coda at the end because he would like to he's got more to say. Mm-hmm. So fingers crossed that somehow Showtime find a positive in having it on their network and he does it. Mm. Or maybe a movie or something. Two-hour TV movie. That'll do. All right. I think we're done. I think so. Awesome. I need to go home. I'm working tomorrow. Oh, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. It's only quarter past 12. What are you talking about? Uh, if you would like to contact us, you can do so by finding us on Facebook by searching for Hunting Seasons. You can find us on Twitter at Hunting Cast. You can email us at HuntingSeasonsPodcast at gmail.com. You can contact myself at bgordis. On Twitter, at B Gordes, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. And that would be, I would love to hear from people. 
And we like I think there's I have so no interest much. in their opinions. Thank Please you. Please <laughs> talk to me then. I would. I'd love to hear what people think about this. What we got right. What we got wrong. Um, what their theories are. If you've got any sort of insight at all into this, I'd love to hear from uh, uh hear from you. And we can either discuss it on Twitter or social media, or we might even put it on the podcast. Um, if we think it's interesting enough to discuss, we'll see. Um, thank you to Sean Kirkpatrick for creating our wonderful hunting seasons logo and graphics. You can find his work at seankirkpatrickdesigns.portfoliobox.net. And also thank you to Jordan Calavis for our Hunting Seasons theme song. You can find his work at soundcloud.com slash classicjrex. Please, 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 please consider giving us a review on iTunes. Those stars go a long way to helping us be noticed by other people. We are proudly a part of the Earbuds Podcast Network. It's a Melbourne-based podcast network. And you can find more of their work at facebook.com slash Earbuds Network. I believe recently there was a podcast for Australian listeners, the Corporate Box podcast, I think mm-hmm. it is, um, that includes an interview with Julia Gillard, our former Prime Minister and famous Bulldog supporter, um, which I haven't listened to yet, but I'm going to because that sounds pretty cool. Um, next week, we will uh, have an episode finally about Louis season five, <laughs> which we've had in the can for... <laughs> Months By the can, now? he means toilet. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we've had Ray to go for months, but just kept getting pushing back because of Game of Thrones and mm-hmm. Defenders and stuff like that. So you'll get that, and then after that, I've forgotten what's coming after that. Are we doing? So it'll be a surprise. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, surprise. Yeah, it'll be a surprise. Yeah. But next week, Louis season five. So enjoy that. Until then, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you later. Bye. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.